0: Welcome back to the True Geordie Podcast, Welcome. sponsored by Jim Shock. Uh, today's guest. Long time coming. This has been a long time. I've always wanted to have Dorian on. I, I, I trained with you uh, about 10 years ago. Um, yeah,
1: forgive me for not remembering. Well, not your pro- I had a lot of people come to yeah. train with me. And you probably look a lot me. different
0: now as well. No, I was, not really. uh, to be honest, not really. <laughs> um, I, I kind of looked 40 when I was 20. <laughs> but, um, but it, it was a, an eye-opener because I'd always... Um, well, my dad was a bodybuilder in the 90s and you know uh, at a lower level you know like the NABA stuff and yeah that. and he um he always told me about like the great bodybuilders and i remember distinctly him going dorian yates is the one he's the one you want to listen to so i went on youtube and i started watching these videos and it, like you go down the rabbit hole and, and i'm like wow this guy because you, you had a total different vibe to every other posing bodybuilder and before i knew it i was watching blood and guts and like I basically knew everything about you. So when, when I trained with you, I, I always tell this story the same way I say it. Because you were about, well, how old do you know? 60 in April. So you I look am. fucking unbelievable for your age, by Thank the way. Thank you. So you must have been about 50. And you were still carrying quite a lot of size back then. I was, yeah. yeah and you, you walked through the door, and your back walked through the door five minutes later. You <laughs> were so like, and I, that's when I realised in that one moment I'm not meant to be a bodybuilder because like your genetics it really it really made me realize okay the density of muscle that you the proportions and everything you just didn't look like a normal guy and that would have been 10 years ago so 2010 2011 mm.
1: I mean that was 13 14 years after yeah. my competitive career so I wasn't anywhere still near that's what made me what realized. I used to be this is him
0: know? sort of over the hill yeah I was probably about <laughs>
1: Uh, probably holding around 18 and a half yeah 19 stone 19 at 19 yeah at yeah. that point and off season in bodybuilding or somewhere between 21 and 22 stone so yeah. imagine another two stone or two and a half stone on top of that yeah
0: but you could I could see the building blocks of what you'd created There was, it was still there which yeah. was obviously sh- shrunk but still it was it was just out of like a lot of people just think bodybuilders take steroids and then boom they they get big but like uh, the the proportions and the aesthetics and everything that went into it, it, it just sort of struck me. And then I trained with you. And then I was even more convinced I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be a bodybuilder. Yeah, impossible.
1: this is what it takes, day in, day yeah. out. I mean, you know, are you prepared to do that? Can you do that? And ultimately, your genetics is like, it's a limiter to how far you can go. Uh-huh. You know, I, I could practice basketball and play basketball all day long from 10 years old, but I'll never be a basketball player because yeah. I don't have the characteristics of a basketball player don't you know, do yourself
2: down like that i think you could have a very good career in yeah <laughs> It'd be fantastic. Well,
1: i'm definitely a white man because i can't jump right yeah, sure well. fair enough yeah <laughs> that's probably 19 i can't stars, jump yeah. I, I got no coordination mm-hmm. so i wouldn't be a, a basketball player no matter how much i practice so with bodybuilding everybody can improve that's that's the message but not everybody can be a, a professional bodybuilder or a mr olympia and you know mm-hmm. talking about steroids how many people in the world now how many men are taking steroids it'll be in the millions right so there's only one Mr. Mr. Olympia there's only one person Mm. so yes they are part of the
0: game and they do help a lot I guess Um, it was the training that that messed my head up by the way what was it exactly so I remember right he's got this machine at Temple Gym you put your arms back. Spillow,
1: I, Nautilus over, machine. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, so I
0: was like, I want to train back with Dorian because yeah. that was one of your main things that you were known for. I was like, what is this like? And after the first whatever, however many, I mean, even the warm-up, I was like, God, his warm-ups are pretty what intense. I let myself in for? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was starting to realise. Uh, so was this one-on-one? Just to
2: create yeah, a little it was yeah, image. was one-on-one.
1: I do train, you know, I coach people in various ways, one-on-one. In the gym, and uh, I got a platform that I help people. DY Academy. Mm. So I like actually like helping, coaching people, and probably of all the aspects of bodybuilding, because there's many aspects. You got the training, you got the nutrition, you got the the chemical side, you got the contest prep. But I love the training, and I love to find the best way to train, and I had a passion for it. And I, over the years, um, <coughs> as well, you know, a lot of people know. But I logged every single workout, so every workout from 1983 to 1997, I got it all logged down, and I, you know, train a little bit more frequently, an extra day this week, or you know, some change there, and I would be able to analyze it: is mm-hmm. this beneficial? Or is this not beneficial? And um, I had the theory of HIT training from Arthur Jones, from Mike Mensa so the theory appealed to me because it was logical and that's the way my brain works it works in logic and mathematics and straight lines um so the theory was sound but if the theory sounds great and it doesn't work out in practice it don't mean shit so uh, i analyzed it and i noted if i train more frequently if i do a bit too much then my progress was just stopping and then i was cutting back and uh, I observe the people I train, many people I've helped and it's, it's always the same story, but it's kind of hard for people to get in their mind. So little, tra- oh, so little, yeah, it's little in time and volume, but it's very high in it's intensity it's as you find out. Yeah, you, yeah. you brutalize yourself uh-huh. for a very short period of time and then you let your body recover and overcompensate and grow and that's the
0: process. Th- that, that process is something that I think people think they understand because they watch a video like, I yeah. could watch Blood and Guts and go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. This is the, the training video that Dorian was very famous for because no one had ever put out an authentic bodybuilding workout like that. They were all in little stringers on the beach. And that's Dorian, exactly why I did it. Yeah, it was I completely was different. Because,
1: I, you know, I, you start as a fan, right? Uh-huh. And you know, I'm looking forward to watching these VHS that came out, Road to the Olympia and the different training. And I'm like, is this really the way they train? I don't think so. I'm not getting inspired by this. So when I had a chance to do it, And I realized why that happened. Because at that time, you know, we all got iPhones and cameras and everything. Back in the 80s and 90s, you had to have a professional camera crew to come and do it. And the camera crew want to do it from their perspective, from their point, where they want the perfect lighting, the perfect angles. And if you're going to take time to do all that, you're going to lose the authenticity of the the workout. So I had a friend who was a photographer, Kevin Horton. I said, Kevin, let's just hire a video filming camera Well I want you to come in and I'm going to train as normal I don't want you to talk to me I don't want you to mess about with lights or anything I just want you to capture the workout and the intensity and the weight and the feeling and nobody cares about shades and angles and lights they want to see don't and, and I want people to watch that training video and get pumped up and want to go to the gym mm-hmm. and i obviously achieved that because i've heard it a million times like dorian i play that before i go to the I'll, gym. I'll watch i've watched it i've times. worn the tape out then yeah. i got the dvd and i worn the dvd out so yeah. I, I was really happy with the results and uh i was watching the playbacks after we filmed it and i said something's wrong with this i said tell you what can you turn off the color and just make it black and white and he did that and i was like That's it. It's badass. Yeah, I got inspired by this, uh, you know, the Raging Bull, the Robert De Niro (coughs) boxing movie when it's all in black and white, and it's just Mm. so much more gritty and realistic, and that's what I wanted to put across. And
0: and that helped your vibe (coughs) as well, because what Dorian had, which even though bodybuilding is a contest where you're not competing actually contact with each other you had this intimidation factor and i could only compare it to mike tyson or someone like that it, it the vibe you were giving off was like i'm not yet a smile and be a model no. i'm an athlete and this is my my profession and you you put a completely different slant on it than anyone else i've ever seen really yeah i mean the whole enigma the the shadow and everything like that could have been a well thought out
1: image and strategy but it wasn't it was just me being me and i was kind of introvert i didn't like the limelight i mean it's part of it you got to go on stage and do it but that's it's once a year right mm-hmm. um so i didn't want to show people what i was doing and the guys in the gym that, that trained at temple gym they'll tell you even the guys that trained with me my training partners they never saw me without a top on they never saw me without a top on until probably three or four weeks before the Olympia and I'd do a little I'd invite a couple of people down from the bodybuilding community whose opinions I respected because they knew what they were looking at because they've been you know judging the mystery Olympia or they've been they've seen the top guys they know them they know what they're looking at (coughs) and I would you know three or four weeks before I'd uh, invite them down and you know say what you think and Mm -hmm. this and that but apart from that and I wasn't interested in if I took my top off every day at the gym I would just go, oh you're, you're amazing you you know you beat everybody you're in shape now you don't need to do anymore and I didn't need to hear that from people that didn't really know what they're looking at
0: I, I can't stress enough right because I've trained and I've done boxing I've done lots of different training I've never felt more exhausted and more like wanting to quit than when I trained with you and very early on in the work I was I remember thinking <clears throat> I'm on my fourth set of like whatever we were going to do 16, 20 sets how am I feeling like I'm dying already and I remember after the first machine was done this noteless um, yeah. the, right into your lats I, I went beyond failure and you were doing four reps with me and I just remember thinking I'm going to basically embarrass myself in front of Mr. Olympia because yeah, yeah, I want to quit right now already and, and it, it just and I went back to the gym. You weren't gonna, mate. I wouldn't let you No, anyway. but I went back to the gym the next week and all my mates were there and I went, lads, we don't train hard. We yeah. think we do. Right. But we're chatting, we're taking our time. Yeah, we lift heavy weights. Yes. But we're not training hard. That
1: the focus is about the focus. Yes. Yeah. So
0: you're in there and you're just there and your mind's inside
1: the muscle. Nothing else exists and you're pushing to the extreme. And how hard you push is it's only a matter of motivation mm. because your mind is the you know it's the mind that fails before the body and that's what I show people when they come and train with me. I show them techniques, show them the form, sh- you know. I, sh- I show all that, but it's I often tell people, look, you you were gonna you wanted to stop at ten there, yeah, but because I'm here and because I'm shouting at you and I'm pushing you, you did fourteen, you did fifteen, you did it, yeah. You lift, I didn't lift it for you. But I motivated you. So it's obviously a matter of motivation. How far you are going to push? And for me, bodybuilding was a way to change my life. And it was the mentality I put myself in is that I'm fighting for my life here. And when I turn pro, I'm like the other guys are trying to take food off my table, off my family, off my kids. And I'm going there for a battle. I'm not Mm. going there to smile. I just, you know, I'm going there to win the contests, And uh, that was my frame of mind. So and I th- it was to my advantage that I was in the UK I was in this little hole in the ground in, in Birmingham and nobody saw me all year round mm. so this guy that you can't see somehow you know it's building like fear up in your mind because you can't see him you don't know anything about him so you your talking about.
0: you're spoken about but no one sees you it's almost like a fictional character who shows yeah, up once a year and just steals dreams yeah <laughs> <It's> <laughs>
1: like- crushes people and goes back home to his you know back in his basement but yeah. that's I mean people ask me like could you be the shadow now these days uh, probably not
0: yeah, because you, you
1: know you need to be visible to you know to generate a living and everything now where then i just had to be in the magazines and that i would do once a year after i competed i was in shape i would do all you know all the shoots all the interview everything in a week period in los angeles and then i'll disappear again
0: it's the power of the mind with you. That's one thing that really struck me. And I was, I was really into MMA when I was learning about you as well. And I remember thinking, this is like a fighter mentality in bodybuilding.
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I had a different mentality. And actually, I did the first sports-slash-exercise type of thing I was doing was when I was a kid. I was doing karate. Uh-huh. So I think that always stayed with me. Even my pose, and if you watch it, it's a little bit martial compared to the other guys, a bit more... Fluid. flowing and stuff mine's a bit like <clears throat> it's like, like i'm here power, I'm, wasn't I'm it, yeah. here, you know and that reflected my physique and my persona which is important when, when you're presenting yourself i wasn't a frank zane or a bob paris or anything like that i was you know big powerful strong guy so that had to come across in the presentation yeah
0: and and like just to be clear for those who don't know uh, anything about bodybuilding you i feel like there's two bodybuilders who had a huge impact compared to everyone else one is Arnold and one is you Arnold sort of started it and you changed it and it was like those two pivotal important moments in the game um, do you agree yeah, with my, that?
1: my mentality was in stages you know I um, I wanted to be the best in the UK and I wanted to change my life mm. uh, I, I kind of I did a little bodybuilding when I was at school and left school and my life was very chaotic I'd, I left home at 16 and uh, i got in a bit of trouble i was in a detention center and in there they had weights and there were 300 guys in there and i quickly realized i got the best physique in here like naturally and i'm pretty much the strongest guy in here so this is something i can do that's positive for my life and i didn't know at that point that that would lead to being mr olympia and everything i just knew if i put my energy into something positive i would get something positive back maybe i'll win some contests maybe i'll oh maybe i can open my own gym one day or something that was how it started
0: yeah the 90s were so different like everyone's sort of combat sports are the thing now but my dad's era in the 90s he was like if you weren't a bodybuilder you were no one like yeah, it's my dad
1: i think it was a peak of interest in bodybuilding yeah. and now you know in the 90s we had bodybuilding we didn't have fitness crossfit men's physique yeah. we didn't have mma all these other avenues that people might take now the, those kind of guys were all going into bodybuilding everyone wanted to be a bodybuilder mm. in the 80s and 90s it was the peak of the popularity although i suppose the industry as a whole is bigger now but it's it's much more diverse it's not just bodybuilding there's many more categories involved
2: there was kind of an obsession i think in the 90s as well with people changing their bodies be that sort of bodybuilding in the gym or yeah. plastic surgery and those kind of things and that those two things seem to coincide a bit as well
1: well, if you look at the movies, what were popular in the, Baywatch. the late 80s, I mean, you, you got all the Arnold's movies. Mm-hmm. They started with Conan and the Terminator. Then you got Stallone. Mm-hmm. So everybody wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. build their physique. Uh, now it's, it's, it's a bit different, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when you were talking about um, getting into trouble and um, I'm aware you lost your father at a young age and then you and your mother weren't that particularly close. Yeah. I wondered if, if that... Uh, difficulty that you had growing up sort of gave you that mental strength that you had because we, we always hear about how a fighter take uh, Kamara Usman of the UFC right now like the, some people who've had a rough start in life they seem to be able to go to another level that people who've maybe been moddy coddled just can't go to Ab- absolutely absolutely I remember seeing uh,
1: um, not so long ago Mike Tyson's son on the pads and he you know he looked wow bit tyson-esque you know yeah and they asked tyson you know would he make a champion he's like no way <laughs> like why not because he hasn't lived my life he's he's been comfortable so he's yeah. not he's not going to be able to do it It's not going to have that inside him and uh yeah i didn't have a lot of options and i felt i had to fight for everything and um i think my dad dying young my mom not really being able to cope with me or you know with my anger and confusion Mm. and everything like that Um, that was definitely a driving force and I had to grow up and look after myself pretty quick you know I was 16 and I was out on the street living at you know friends houses or something and get my own little place and I got to look after myself there's nobody else that I can fall back on so you know that gives you kind of um, you're either going to make it or you're going to you're going to fall and when i was in the detention center it was like a crossroads it was like which which way do you want to go here you've had a taste of this i'm mm-hmm. like i don't belong here i don't you know, i don't you know even the the, the prison officers were saying you don't belong here
0: you, well you're a very smart guy i mean that, they,
1: they were like you're you're an intelligent guy you don't belong here well i don't have any paperwork to say i am but i you know i got that innate kind of uh uh, You're a scientist kind of thing. The way you yeah, try, I, I analyse everything. Yeah. I analyse everything. Got that analytical brain, and I'm always asking questions. <coughs> and I'm always wanting to know the truth. And I hate to think I don't know the truth, and someone's pulling the wool over my eyes, and I'm being fooled. Um, and I, you know, I didn't. There was no such thing then as the culture that you've got now. You've got a nutritionist. You've got a coach. You've got, you know, whatever it's now that kind of making bodybuilding into a team sport for for me it wasn't that team sport it's a individual effort and i didn't have a team i didn't want to have a team i want to do it myself i'm if i win it's i'm responsible if i lose i'm responsible and i'm not saying i didn't listen to anybody to any advice or any information i'll get some from here some from here some from you some from him and then i would shift through it all and, and see what made sense and ultimately what works
2: were there any key figures that you sort of remember being influential on you
1: Uh, yeah there was a guy um, called Ron Davis he was the head of the EFBB which is English Federation from IFBB which is the Federation that promotes Mr. Olympia so that's you know that's the ultimate contest Mr. Olympia if you're a bodybuilder, that's there's only one contest that's important that's it and um, so I went to do my first contest after I'd been training for about a year and a half and I went to do a novice contest you know I went there thinking you know I'm pretty good for a novice I should I feel fairly confident I can win this qualifying contest then I want to go to the British Championship Novice Championship and win that and then the next year maybe the you know the British Championship itself Um, so I went on stage did my compulsory poses that you have to do and came back off stage and these guys were there these officials from the you know and Ron was there and they're like Hey, who, who are you where do you come from I'm like I come from Birmingham yeah. what, what are you doing in the novice class you should be in the heavyweights I said no no I'm not, I'm not good enough for the heavyweights yet and they're, they're practically laughing at me yeah. so it's not good enough do you know you're probably the best heavyweight we've got in the country right now not good enough to be in the heavyweights yeah. mate it's like and uh, Ryan had a gym in, in Birmingham called Muscle Machine and he invited me down there to train and you know basically told me I said you, you know you could be Mr. Olympia one day. So he knew, he, you know, he recognized the potential. Wow. And uh, I trained there for a little while, but it was too, uh, it was too civilized for me. You know, they had office people come in to train on their lunch break and uh, you know, I want to spit on the floor and growl and sweat and mm-hmm. it just wasn't that environment. So I went, you know, I said, thanks Ron for your help and everything, but I've got to go back. I've got to go back to the ghetto. I've got to, you know, go back to my roots and that energy. Um, I'm scaring the people in here you know <laughs> so it, w- it wasn't the right place yeah, but you, Ron,
0: you're loud when you train That's what Ron, I'm sure.
1: Ron, you know whatever it takes I don't know I'm not conscious about it I'm yeah. pushing myself to the limit and if you're doing that you're probably going to make some noise uh, um, so Ron gave my confidence a little boost I think that was more than anything hmm. um, and there's a guy from Birmingham as well he had a supplement company called Tropicana he gave me my sp- first sponsorship which was 10,000 a year and he again he said look i want to sponsor you when you go to america i think you're going to do really well and if you get a better offer than this like take it and i'll stop it wherever you want to you know so it was a good guy that got behind me a little bit
2: in it terms is, of guiding you though at like in terms of sort of mental guidance and those kind of things was there were you Did you feel like you were quite on your own when it came to absolutely, deciding yeah right.
1: absolutely and you know i'm not a coachable person i don't think you know Because a coach would tell me to do that, and I'd be like, why? And, you know, in the end, I'd do my own thing anyway. So as far as training and nutrition and all that stuff, um, I pretty much just worked it out myself. So it was just people that give me a little bit of encouragement, really. And I think um, because I lost my dad and I didn't have a, a male role model, the guys in the magazines, or at least what was projected in the magazines from the guys they became all those my, my surrogate fathers back then all the best bodybuilders came from the states all the contests were in the states the industry was there
0: were you not known about in america at this absolutely point? nobody knew me. nobody
1: nobody knew sure. me so i'm going to new york and i don't know anything about new york where to go where to train where to stay or anything so i contacted the, somebody from the federation in england and say look you know i'm going over but i don't know and can you introduce me to somebody i need somewhere to train and all this stuff um So he introduced me to the promoter, and the promoter came to pick me up at the airport. And I saw him before he saw me, and I was like, "Hey, Wayne, I'm, I'm Dorian Yates." He's like, "Oh, oh, uh, okay, come on then." And he said, uh, "I was looking for a
0: black guy." You know what it is Dorian, Dorian? Is a name is, that you could yeah. associate with that. I uh, I'm saying, why are you
1: looking for a black guy? Yeah. He's like, because you got a funny name. <laughs> and up to this point all the good bodybuilders from uk were black <laughs> so i just assume you'll be black i said no sorry I'm t- just i'm white you know <laughs> anyway it's a funny story he, he picked me up so he said you know we've um, arranged a gym for you and we've arranged accommodation there's a guy who's got an apartment for you and all that near the gym and it's all good yeah so okay so it's two three a.m in, in the morning i mean i'm exhausted i'm like super depleted you know you know three percent body fat dehydrates in my face is like that i'm exhausted yeah Quick question about this yeah though.
0: How, you know like how bodybuilders are traveling all the time yeah they're obviously taking steroids steroids you can't really get them through customs i'm guessing yeah. like what, what what do they do when like
1: well actually in 1990 there was a, there was a big thing in, in the states i think i don't know when it was like 91 92 something like that where steroids became illegal and it was big hoo-ha because people in bas- baseball were using it and uh-huh. baseball is the apple and apple pie American clean yeah. sport listen no clean no sport is clean sports are about winning with highly competitive individuals and they will do whatever it takes to win in any sport the same thing applies yeah, yeah. Um, so at that point I just take it with me in 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 the future, I used to mail it over ahead of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
1: Hope I don't get arrested in America.
0: Now.
1: <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. You. Yeah. i sat in all that. Um, so I was with Wayne. We went in his car and uh, go to the gym. He said, "We're going to meet the guy outside the gym, and he's going to take you to his apartment, and you're going to stay there." I got my wife with me. Got my big bag with my little oven cooker in there, and everything it was like a. Everything I did was like a military campaign. You know, tick this, I got this, I got that. I didn't want to any- leave anything to chance, yeah? So we pull outside this gym, and there's a guy there, and he's like, Hi! <laughs> I was like, oh, no. What is <laughs> So obviously, the guy in the gym, having no respect for British bodybuilders, just asked, does anyone in the gym want to put this guy up? Like, he's coming from England, bodybuilding. And he's like, oh, I'll do it, you know? Uh, so... <laughs> then we're driving in New York and Wayne's telling me you're on the lower east side he said it might look really rough here but it's becoming you know gentrified just like the east end of London I guess um okay he said I'll drop you off with the guy here dropped us off the building next door is crack house with the police tape shut down we go into this apartment building it's got no lift so I'm having to walk up the stairs I'm exhausted and it smells of piss and we go into the apartment and the bedroom doors open and there's a naked guy lying on the bed <laughs> and then he's got me this little room with homoerotic pictures on the wall oh, God. I don't have against homosexual people but it's, it's, not, just, it's not for you it's just not my sure, thing man. it's fine. not, not my fine. environment you know <laughs> this and this uh, is the for- this is this, this, is, this is 1990 you yeah. know with the AIDS thing and people didn't really <coughs> understand all what it was and how you get it and everything and the guy's like would you like a, a tea or a coffee and my wife's telling me no 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 she didn't want to drink from the cups or anything you know so i said mate i said i need to talk to you <laughs> i said i'm sorry yeah but you know i got my contest coming up and everything i am try to be as polite as possible um this living area is not suitable for me i need to get a hotel i need a hotel with a kitchen apartment preferably and he's like yeah i'll do that in the morning i'm like mate i don't think you understand you need to do that now get on the phone and do that now <laughs> so anyway it's, it's funny because he, he got me a hotel it's called the chelsea hotel in chelsea in in, in manhattan and, and uh, as a teenager i was a skinhead skinhead or, or skinheads and punks in birmingham they all stick together because they couldn't get into any pubs so there was one pub in birmingham all skinheads all punks went there so i know all the story about sid vicious uh from the sex pistols and sid vicious killed his girlfriend nancy in
2: the Chelsea Hotel.
1: So I was like, isn't that weird? Of all the hotels so my life, it always
2: sees these little synchronicities. Sorry, so you turn to your wife and you go, isn't it weird? Sid Vicious killed his wife here. Yeah, anyway, in yeah, we go. Yeah, here
1: we yeah. go, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was it and then I went to the gym in, in New York that <laughs> that was, um, you know, uh, look, supposed to be looking after me and I went there and I said, I'm Dorian and this and that. Yeah, go yeah, and go on, on train. And basically, they were, they were pretty rude to me. Pretty rude and disrespectful because this guy from england yeah, it's
0: not good still got your top one
1: yeah i still got the top yeah. one training then afterwards there's changing rooms downstairs and it's a little area with mirrors so i could do my posing yeah so you know after the workout I stripped off started doing posing i didn't know there was a little camera up there that went to a tv behind the desk upstairs half the gyms come down the owner everyone that works there that was before not giving a shit yeah? Oh, like, wow, you're like, amazing, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, oh, the whole atmosphere changed then. Anyway, I went to uh, Night of Champions, yeah, held in Manhattan, and the New York crowd was very well known for being very vocal. I mean, New Yorkers are like that. They, mm-hmm. they don't like that, going to tell you, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what to expect. Anyway, came out and did my posing, initial posing, and did my, you know, unusually martial aggressive type pose and I was banging my foot on the floor when I did my cast and all this stuff and uh, it was quiet and then slowly the whole audience started going Dorian Dorian, Dorian. Yeah. they must have been like who's this guy who's this guy who's this guy yeah. Got, and then they just started oh, I was like okay the crowd's the crowd's with me mm-hmm. so I got second at that contest to Mohammed Ben Aziza, um, and Weider must have seen something in me that was Unique because I got sent, I got invited out to Venice, California, to do the shoots for the weeder magazines at the Gold's Gym, and everybody built a stream at that point. Mm-hmm. That's you, you know you made it if you get, so I got flown out to L.A. and did my first photo shoot out there. How are you feeling at
2: this time, sorry? Because I know now you're telling it, you're sort it's sort of like oh of course it's yeah. during eight but back then this must have felt quite different to you when you were new to yeah
1: surreal you know being in New York was surreal that this place is I'm here it's real New York and I've got second in this contest flown out to uh, LA saw a bit of a whirlwind you know and it's like the feeling like wow is this really happening as I've really made it I've been dreaming about this for years and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm getting there now
2: were you overawed or do you think you, you were the kind of person who took that in your stride at the time like w- or was this something where you were a little bit like hold on a minute, what is going on here?
1: A little bit, yeah, but it's happening so fast, right. you know. And um, then I did my first photo shoot in uh, in a gold's gym there and they wanted to me to wear sunglasses and they used to spray the guys with water bottles so it looks like they're sweating and you know, and they, they hold these weights and they pose and everything. I said, mate, I'm not wearing sunglasses. Good thing I had a British photographer, Chris Lund, so he could relate to me a little bit because the Americans never really understood me why I'm not that guy that's always wanted attention, why I'm not telling everyone how great I am and all the time and all this stuff. They didn't get it, you know. I said, Chris, i ain't wearing sunglasses, man. I'm from Birmingham. <laughs> train underground. I don't wear sunglasses. And I want to lift some real weights. I don't want to mess about with this stuff. Let's lift some real weights. So it was a 200-pound dumbbell. I said, mate, oh, how about if I lift this and get a shot of this? I'll do a dumbbell row. He said, can you lift that? I said, yeah, I can lift it, but I can't smile while I'm lifting it, mate. And I can't hold it there while you get the right angle I'll get it up mate you better get the shot yeah and uh, he did that and that was my first cover on the flex with a 200 pound dumbbell um, was that later. the one
0: with you got blonde hair yeah yeah, that's yeah. The one, yeah they're like a mullet yeah I like that it's funny because yeah.
2: you and Brian have very similar uh, approaches to photo shoots actually <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you either get it or you don't <laughs> well but, yeah. I,
0: I you know
1: uh, Kevin Horton who's a friend of mine is British so we had a good relationship much better than I had with the other photographers And people said, how is Dorian to do a photo shoot? He said, it's fucking miserable. (laughs) It just doesn't want to be there. It doesn't want to do it. So get it as quick as you can, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, so from that point forward, the whole way that they did the bodybuilding photography changed because I did this cover. and I'm lifting a 200-pound dumbbell, and you can't get the same look by lifting a light weight. I mean, literally, the veins are sticking out my neck. My eyes are bulging. You can't pose that, yeah? So they were like, ah, oh, this is very popular. People like this and they just started doing more and more of that
2: as right. well. Wow, you were like the first I, I realistic... Was, I was just
1: me stubbornly being me. Right. You know, and not being able to be moulded or manipulated and, uh, you know, everyone tried... It was very he, corny body, bodybuilding. Yeah, back yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Body, I mean, like, Joe you Weider know, came to one of my photo shoots. You remember, he used to have Flex, which was the hardcore bodybuilding yeah, and yeah. Muscle and Fitness, which was the more mainstream and muscle and fitness always had a guy and a girl on the front cover so you know it appeals to everybody let's get like a little skinny model and a bodybuilder on the and then she's
0: on his shoulder like yeah
1: there's right. this, this kind of stuff so uh, dorian we're going to do a muscle and fitness <laughs> shoot with you this go more mainstream you know flex you like okay but muscle and fitness and joe came actually i remember asking joe well Joe why are you coming to the photo shoots and all this stuff? Like, if I was you and I had all your money, mate, I'd be on the beach and not bothering all this nonsense, yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to try and do his voice because everyone does it better, but you know, a very distinctive voice. Um, he basically said, "Look, I do what I love. I love doing the magazines. I love bodybuilding. And if I if I'm not doing this, what I'm going to do? I'm just going to die early or something because mm-hmm. I don't have a mission. So I learned that from him, and he, he was great. at like. You know, Joe Weeder, trainer of champions, this is all a bullshit myth, you know, that he publicized, he didn't train anybody, but he was very good with photography and presentation and posing, he was very good at. So he's like, Dorian, smile, I can't, my wife was there, try and get him to smile, the model, everybody, try and get him to smile, try and <laughs> show me your teeth, Is something wrong with your teeth, I was like, there's nothing wrong with my teeth, man, I just can't do the smile and he's trying and he's trying and in the end he just said ah just let this guy do what he wants and that was you know from then that's pretty much it <laughs> just yeah. do what you want you can't you can't get him to do what he doesn't want and you know if you're mr olympia you have that i guess that power to, to say no to things oh. um so yeah that was my first uh trip out to uh to california which as i say was everybody's dream at that point you you've kind of made it if you, you get on the Cover of the magazine.
0: just into slightly. Alright, we're going to move that camera over slightly. Does someone want to just move that, just yeah, ever we'll so slightly. Over, over there. Over there. It's all good. He's <coughs> got big shoulders, you know. Yeah, exactly. Still half, got it. Half what like they used to be. Still got it. So big he has to put two cameras.
1: That's a question I get asked so um, much. Especially what? by the young guys. Just
0: twist what? the cu-
2: uh, Don't the you of
1: the feel bad now that you're smaller, or don't, don't you wish you was still right. that guy and all that stuff? You know?
2: what's, what's the reply to that? Because no,
1: I'll be what I want to be. You know, More it's uh I am smaller and lighter because I want to be. Not doing what I think and this is where a lot of bodybuilders get trapped.
2: That's kind of the that's kind of the interesting aspect of it, isn't it? I think a lot of people assume that you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to get that way. They don't they, they uh, see it as a decline or, in that sense.
1: Either that or
2: the guy's thinking to
1: himself but everyone associates me with being Mr. Olympia or being this big bodybuilder. And if I'm not that guy anymore, no one will love me. No one will follow me. <laughs> blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know. People are following me now for what I'm doing now, as well as like you did. You know, I've got people that okay, you did that in the past, but a lot of people are really appreciating what I'm doing now and being inspired by it because it's about change and evolution. And you have to be willing to change in life. Otherwise, you get stuck in a mold. And I think that's what happens with a lot of bodybuilders. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm this guy. I'm Mr. Olympia. I'm this muscle guy. And I'm comfortable there because mm. I know that. But to change, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. And you have to do and try things that's outside your comfort zone in order to, to grow and evolve. And I think that's what I've been doing or trying to do um, for some time now I broke the mold of I'm just a bodybuilder Um, maybe that's not the best thing for me now anymore Um, and carrying a lot of body weight is not the best thing for you as you're getting older.
2: That was actually one thing I was going to ask because um, obviously you know, that's a lot of weight just to put on any joints in the first place.
1: Anything to the extreme is not very healthy, (laughs) marathon running, triathlete running, bodybuilding, getting kicked in the head in the MMA, all that stuff. I try to tell people you've got competitive sports and you've got exercise and, and sports and training for health. It's two different things. Competitive sports is concerned with only one thing, and that's winning. And it's not necessarily, you know, we all know exercise is good for your health, but at what point does it become detrimental where you're, you know, for, for instance, endurance training, your body's producing so much free radicals that you're just aging and damaging your cells? Uh, little bit of moderate exercise great for you but to the extreme no but those guys that are doing it they're not doing this necessarily thinking this is for my health they're doing it as a challenge and as a sport and as a competition that they want to win
0: i'm not i'm not even sure it's that anymore though as well it's because like you the reason you became the the guy i think it's because you don't think like the rest and when i look at a lot of lads i grew up with who aspired to be bodybuilders or wanted to just get massive a lot of those guys didn't have a good job didn't have a lot going for them and their whole identity was well if i get muscular at least i've got that and they live for that and it becomes the only thing about them that is unique i I don't think they get it like you know you're you're spending all this time on how you look but you're Mm -hmm. literally you're pissing into the wind and wasting most of your life where you're never going to be Mr. Olympia. Yep. You're not even going to make a money off of Instagram at this rate. And they, they, some of them need a harsh reality check. The amount of lads I've met who've spent thousands of pounds on protein and steroids and to win the crappiest little trophy yep. at a bodybuilding contest that no one cares about. Because in their head, when they're on that stage, they are you, they are. But in reality, it's like, mate, you, I don't well, know what I, you're doing. I was always
1: f- very aware of that because you know i trained in the gym and Mm. all the guys in the gym i could see what they're doing and uh if you're going to do bodybuilding to the extreme taking steroids carries some health risk we can debate you know what that is but it carries some risk and um i saw people sacrificing everything you know like they're spending all their money on it sacrificing time with their families being in like a a bad mood and having a fight with her wife and all that because they're getting ready for Mr. Real or mm-hmm. whatever you know um, is that
2: a competitive one
1: Mr. Real yeah I don't even know if it exists but <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> find this. out yeah. just Amid- making a point Amid- Mr. no disrespect Mr. to Mr. Real Mr. Dudley or mm. I don't know it's like I, I was very aware of that and I actually put a deadline on myself I said alright I'm doing all this yeah I'm doing all this I'm losing time and focus w- with my family I don't have any social life. I'm sacrificing that. Uh, there's the health risk. Uh, all all these things. There's like all the energy and focus. You've only got so much, yeah? So you put it all into that. You don't have much left for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, all right, I'm British champion. I'm pro now. Technically, I can compete as pro. I'm going to night champions. My first pro show. If I don't get in the top five, I'm finished. I'm finished with competitive bodybuilding. I don't mean... I I love to train so I would always train and I had a gym at that point Temple Gym so I was saying like if it doesn't competitive route doesn't go then I need to put my time and focus open some more gyms something like that Mm. be involved but be realistic Uh, you can relax and enjoy your life a little bit more and spend more time with the family and everything like that but fortunately I got second and that's history being realistic
0: though that is something that a lot of delusional bodybuilders don't seem to have it's like this dream, and I, I've I've been mates with so many of them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you think, and you look at them, and you think, not a chance, mate. Well, it, it depends
1: why why you started bodybuilding yeah. and why you wanted to build this physique. Mm. And a lot of time, you, you you're building armor. You're putting on a suit of armor, and everybody will then treat you differently because yeah. you have some. You know, you look stronger. You look bigger. And everyone is then treating you a little bit different. You feel better, yeah? You can't then give that up. It's almost like addictive. Well, what if I go back to be that little skinny guy that you were or you think you were in your mind? Nobody will respect me anymore. Nobody will love me anymore or, or, you know, something like that. I think that's it. So people get caught in that mold. I call it being crystallized, you know? Um, a lot of people, just not bodybuilders. just a lot of people in life get to thirty or forty years old and this is who I am and this is this is it uh, this is who I am no you you know it's fluid right you should be always trying to learn more evolve more uh, that, that's why we're here right we're all here for an experience to learn lessons to to have experiences and uh, and change and're not here to go from here to here and back again and in a little at least that's the way I look at it you know I wanted to When I was a kid, I never felt like I fitted in. I'm at school and I knew this is more about indoctrination and and training than it is about learning anything. And um, I feel like I'm different. I don't fit in and I want to do something. You know, bodybuilding came along and allowed me to do that. One of the things I wanted to do when I was younger is I want to travel the world as much as I can, see as many cultures and countries. and uh, With bodybuilding allowed me to do that. I've been all around the world a few times. You know, some places I haven't been yet I still want to go, but... Uh, I never would have done that without, without bodybuilding.
0: And, and, and that lack of insecurity that you have because you achieved your dreams of becoming Mr. Olympia and reached the top of the mountain and had all the adulation, that's probably why, I'm assuming, you don't care about having the same amount of muscle when you were in your prime because you proved your point, you achieved that, and now you're going to do something uh, else. Uh,
1: physically, what I want now is to be functional, to be functional, to be healthy, uh, mobile, and, you know, I want to look good to a certain degree, but I don't need a bodybuilder's physique. I need to be in shape, fairly lean. I've got some abs and, you know, look, look okay. 59, and, uh, 59 years old.
2: 59 years old. With all due respect, fuck off. Come no, on. Right, I'm, right. Break. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. And
1: uh, my, my, my camera guys here came with us hiking the other day. I said, mate, you was a rabbit. He stopped halfway up. <laughs> I said, mate, you was a rabbit. I said, what do you mean I was the rabbit? I said, me and my mate, another guy, the same age as me in his lifetime fitness. He used to do bodybuilding, now he does wrestling. And every time I come to UK, we get together and we do a good hike, yeah? So I said, we get young guys like you, you know, in their 20s and we send them up. And if we can pass them, on the way we're still doing okay
2: <laughs> so that's that's how we gauge it you know we're doing all right that was one question i have cuz i'm i don't really know that much about bodybuilding but obviously knowing brian i know little bits but there's kind of for someone who doesn't look at it it's very easy to jump to the conclusion there's a lot of people standing on a stage with i'm i'm saying this honestly body dysmorphia or people who basically need to get too big or those kind of things well that, that there is a degree of that yeah because
1: i as i said it depends why you started bodybuilding uh when i was in the detention center when I was a teenager i already had the physique and when i post up my physique when i just started training a lot of people are like, oh, i'd like to look like that so i already had a athletic physique nice abs muscular you know not big like a big bodybuilder but a physique that a lot of people oh, i would like to look like that's a beach body i'd like to look like that so i wasn't starting thinking oh, i need to do this because i'm small or i'm weak or i don't have a good body I was doing it because this is a route to change my life that's that's what I had you know I had no education not because I was stupid I just well after my father died I was before my father died I guess I was doing quite well at school but after that I just I just lost all the interest I did you have no a good point. relationship with him um not particularly my dad was not a guy that was at home very much he was you know sometimes there sometimes not there but the thing is it was my dad yeah and he was the male role model i remember him teaching me to drive a car around the field when i was like 11 years old so i was driving a car at 11 years old but i didn't own one till i was 25 because i didn't have any money to get a car mm-hmm. like i was bodybuilding was catching the bus everywhere all the time so you know um i wouldn't say it was super close but it was my dad and you know everyone looks up to their dad don't they absolutely yeah um so after that i think i just lost interest i didn't see the point and i just knew that school was like something's wrong here (laughs) you know and now I know something's wrong it's uh, you're not really learning anything that useful at school it's more about trainings to be there from nine to four because that's how you're going to fit in with society they just give you enough um, you know to be a functional worker basically Uh, don't teach about anything useful like what's money where does it come from how do you manage it or you know things like practical things like that you don't learn at school mm. so um yeah I didn't feel like I fitted in I wasn't interested in doing their exams and stuff um so I don't have you know paperwork from school that would allow me to get a good job or something like that and then I ended up in a jail and I know a lot of people that be in and out for the rest of their life so I could have gone that route or I could have gone the bodybuilding mm. route and the uh, I knew that initial taste of being in that place. I was like, I don't ever want to come back here again. I'm I'm a free spirit and I feel, you know, you become a number, right?
2: One thing that always kind of fascinates me and that you we were talking about earlier as well is um, how trends are set within bodybuilding and what I don't quite understand when I'm looking at it as a novice or whatever yeah. you want to call it, what makes a good aesthetic.
1: Um, well, it's a combination of factors to make um, a championship bodybuilder. a lot of people say to me oh look at this guy this is a big lad He'll make a good bodybuilder not necessarily so um to be a good bodybuilder first you need the skeletal structure that's your you know that's the frame of the building right that you can't change so you need relatively wide clavicles to narrower hips preferably it looks more aesthetic and you'll note that a lot you'll see this in a lot of the champions the leg length to torso the legs are usually a bit longer because that looks more aesthetic with the longer legs and it gives more you know uh tape a more v-shape to the um, to the upper body
2: are there certain measurements that you would look for like were you like well oh, if you're a 28 inch waist or a 13 inch waist that's that's good or are you it's not so you? much
1: about measurements it's more like what what it looks like so mm-hmm. you've got the frame and then you need to build you need to have the potential and then you need to do it, to have proportionate uh, muscle mass. There's even a champion body will have some areas that are a little bit weaker than other areas. Everyone has that. Um, but generally speaking, um, so you have a length of muscle bellies all over your body, and that's genetically determined. So some people would have a bicep that goes from here all the way down right to the, you know, right, right all the way down to here so the longer the muscle belly the more potential it has for for growth so you'll be looking for somebody with that frame with um you know proportionate um muscle bellies and also the ability to to get very lean is somewhat genetic as well right Uh, i've got very thin skin always been lean my kids are the same my kids even before they My son, my daughter, no training, they got abdominals. and That's somewhat genetic. A lot of people
2: must really dislike your family for
1: that
0: exact reason. I've seen your son, and and like, yeah, he's very similar to you. He's a lot of crap. Uh (laughs) He's
1: he's he's probably naturally leaner than me. He's not as big as me, but he's naturally even leaner mm -hmm. than me. He's literally looks a couple of weeks away from contest shape without trying at all.
0: For those who don't know, there's like, uh, is it seven poses you get judged on?
1: There's uh, seven compulsory poses, the, oh. you know, the double bicep, the lat spread, all that kind of stuff. Oh. There's seven of those. Freestyle. Uh, and then there's four relaxed poses, or re- strictly semi-relaxed poses, yeah. from the front, from the side, from the back. So you see all angles oh. in a relaxed state, and then you see all these poses seven compulsory poses, some from the front, some from the side, some from the back. So again, you see all the muscles when when they're posing. So everyone has to do this while they're called compulsory, obviously. And you compare Mr. A to Mr. B and C. And what
2: are you comparing? Because when, when I'm looking at them, you know, it's the same as when I first started watching fighting. I was a bit like, great, you hit him in the face really well there. It's similar with this where it's like, great, You've got muscle, he's got muscle. To to the the layman, it doesn't look all that similar, but I do understand there's lots of nuance. Maybe, so let's say me and you are competing, but you're
1: better than me in three poses. Thank you. You could be 10 times better than me in three poses, but I beat you in four. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It doesn't matter how badly you beat me in those three, you still only won three. It's like, I don't know, like rounds in boxing or something. But I won four, so I'll, I'll be the winner. So they're looking for the best guy in each pose, and it's a combination of proportions, size... And conditioning, it's like if you've got all those and put them in a pot and mix them together,
0: that's what you're looking for. And to my knowledge, like to come out of nowhere as you did and to get second in your first Olympia was very unheard of. At that point, yeah. Yeah, um, you good. know, like people like uh, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, so many other big bodybuilders took years to climb yeah. the ladder, whereas you just rocketed top two immediately and then the guy who you pushed for the title was like, right, that's enough of that then. Right, he he cleared off.
1: We won eight titles. So, yeah. I mean, at that point, he held the record.
0: Uh,
1: Nothing too much to gain and everything to lose. If you go, you know, next year,
2: yeah. I could have beaten him. So. And he
0: knew you were just starting.
2: Within that, Within that, then, what are the conversations like backstage or what are the relationships like backstage? Because I think a lot of people get an insight into Miss World or something like that, where it's considered to be this really catty environment. Everyone's sort of like, look at her hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is, is it comparable in... In the men's, what's the competition like? It's a little bit like
1: that. Well, you know, guys can be a little friendly as well, but I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I would be polite and friendly if I see you, like normally. But if we're backstage, I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm just focused. I'm not your friend at this point in time. I'm here to to win, I'm here to get the trophy and the check. And, uh, you know, afterwards I'll... So... I used to um, be the last one to take off my uh, tracksuit backstage. So I'll be playing little mind games because I know everyone's waiting to see, you know. So I'll let them wait. God, could you yeah, feel the eyes yeah, on you? Yeah, let them wait. So, <laughs> so you're not really thinking about what you're going to do on stage and how you you you're looking at me. Mm-hmm. Your energy is being taken by me. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. Lee Haney did it to me. I remember. Uh, he he'd, he'd said in a podcast that he used to do this he said I did it to Dorian but I don't know if it affected him or not but it did it did a little bit
0: It took the wind out your seals a bit
1: I was here he was over there and you know I was just happened to look up and he just took his tracksuit off and got his back out you know and his back was super thick I was like oh shit so I remember that so I you know I always used to do that to the guys backstage not really you know if they say hello to me, I say hello. But that
0: would be it. The pinnacle, or what a lot of people felt like, the pinnacle of bodybuilding even was, was that 1993 era, where you put out those black and white photographs. Uh, how how long ago was that? Uh, sorry, how that, long that before was, the um, show was it?
1: This was uh, Kevin Horton again. Hmm. It was like uh, six weeks he before He came the down. Show, I it? said, "Can you come down and take some pictures?" Because I got some from last year that you took in the gym. I want to stand in the same spot in a gym, the same lights and everything. So I've got, I used to do them at home, you know, every week take pictures, getting ready for a contest and go to boots and mm. wait for them to be developed and all this stuff. Um, so I said, come down. I want you to take the pictures in the same spot that took last year. It took them a week after the contest. So I was in shape and I want to see how compare. So it was just for my reference, really. It said, mate, I've developed them photos. I said, yeah, how do they look? He said, I'm going to bring them down to you. You're not going to believe this. And from the year before, you know, the two years back to back, it's crazy, the difference. And um, he said, I'm going to send them to the magazine, to Flex magazine. That wasn't the original plan. It was just just for me. That's why I still got my socks on, if you look. Because i just finished training, took off my top, took off the bottoms, left the socks on, which is a good thing because the floor in Temple Gym was disgusting, dirty anyway, so... (laughs) Um, and he sent them to the magazine Weeder put them in the magazine and by the way Weeder didn't like the pictures he didn't get it he's like ah it's not the correct lighting and the shadows and I said Joe nobody gives a shit about that watch and they became like most iconic pictures of myself ever I think mm-hmm. uh, definitely those black and white so pictures was, did, so they was six that, weeks
0: out from 93 uh, and that made, did that make the magazine before the olympia did people know that that was what was going to show up I think it came out
1: just around the time of the contest but the thing was uh, Peter McGough was the editor of Flex magazine he was British and he was writing for a small British magazine when I became novice and our careers went almost parallel oh yeah so Peter McGough was a friend and he was the editor of Flex magazine and all the guys that used to train in Venice, California, they used to go to the Weeder offices just you know, just to be there and show their faces and talk to the the writers and go to see Joe and all that stuff. So they're always popping in. So Peter, he said, when they come in, he said, um, have you seen the pictures of Dorian? No, 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 we've got him. What, what does it look like? He said, I'd casually just drop him on the table and watch the face just drop, like demoralized. Uh, from that point, everyone was looking to get second place and that was first for them so they, yeah. they already m- mentally were beaten before the contest not that it mattered because physically they were going to get beaten as well yeah,
0: they'd never seen anyone as in condition with that kind of mass yeah you know I don't know what you weighed on stage that year but it was weighed have
1: been on that. stage about actually those black and white photos I was about 270 something so like, I Jesus. don't know what that is 19 and something 19 and a half stone or something and on stage I was uh, 257 258 so a lot of people like that physique that I had with the black and white because it's bigger and fuller but I want it to be super shredded as well so I always used to sacrifice a little size and fullness to get that uh, shape as well but even on stage
0: it was you know nobody had seen that before really and and what he and he had what was he like a 240 guy and you yeah, took
1: 245 it? something like yeah. that so we've gone up another 10 12 pounds and leaner you know lean yeah. lean muscle tissue same height so it, you know that was accepted they called me the game changer from that point because it was before dorian and after dorian mm. whether that's a good or a bad thing well that i said people that before. <laughs> <own> <laughs> yeah because a lot of people were trying to get big like myself and ronnie common who, who followed me was even bigger a lot of people trying to achieve that but they're not putting the work that you know they, they're getting the body weight they're getting the size but it's not the same it's not the same uh, yeah and you see
0: today's bodybuilders have size or even for the last 15 years the size has been there but the conditioning it's not been there at all no
1: because to get that kind of condition and you've got to come down and in, in the body weight and lose some of that size which mm. they don't want to do now and it's kind of i guess the standard now is not so high so you know nobody needs to really do that i mean mm. y- you can tell now when i went to a com- competition back then even the guys with a tracksuit on zipped up to their chin i would know who's in shape how by the face because the face will be super drawn you see the muscles in the side of the jaw the face will be sunken in that guys you can see he's in shape but mm-hmm. now the guy's round and happy and
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> rounded up yeah yeah. yeah they're smiling well the bellies are round as well because they've got those sort of distended uh, yeah guts.
1: this is from uh, nobody really knows exactly what that is but I started using insulin as an anabolic 96 97 the last two years i was competing um and my stomach just started to get a little bit distended so mm. i think this is this
2: is the cause is that, is that called bubble gut
0: yeah in, insulin is a strange one uh, from what i from what i understand about it, because obviously it's a diabetic drug that and i'm, I'm guessing what uh, you guys were doing was trying to get your body to absorb more nutrients and more of the Insulin um,
1: in a way is an anabolic hormone so if absolutely. you mix it with growth hormone and steroids theoretically it, it you know it works in an anabolic uh-huh. way but uh, I tell people that I coach and I help now and advise I say look I'm always honest I tell you the truth yes I used insulin was it a positive in my mind no it wasn't because you would start to lose a little bit of the quality uh-huh. and uh, not to mention the negative health effects you know diabetics that use insulin I think they have like 10 years less life expectancy. Wow. So if you're using insulin and steroids and other things altogether, it's yeah. becoming a ticking time bomb. Over, yeah, there's a lot you know, of the older you get, on The it. older you get, the more, the less that, you know, let's say when I was 20 years old, yeah, I could go out and get totally hammered, pissed, drink a bottle of vodka, and the next day I'll probably be all right, or the day after that I'll be fine. If I did it now... be destroyed i wouldn't i'd be a week yeah so your body can't tolerate this kind of stress as you get older yeah um so we're seeing a lot of heart attacks and and stuff with bodybuilders now in the 40s and 50s i mean it's it's happened always since the 90s there's been a few guys mike maserato that competed against me had a triple bypass at 38 and died at 48 so it you know it's there but it's getting more and more frequent now, I think.
0: Yeah, I wrote down a few names that I, I wanted to bring up because it, it feels like, well, especially... I got a list of 50. when I, I did a podcast last week with wow. this medical expert
1: and there's 50 pros that I know about. That's just pros. That have died. What about amateurs? What about wow. guys that never compete?
0: Well, yeah, like, um, I don't know if you know this guy, but um, back in the 90s, there was a guy called Andy Hornby.
1: Yeah, a British guy. competed against him in the British Championship 1998. He was... Uh, Light heavyweight, I think. Yeah, my champion. dad.
0: Well, he was my dad's best friend, actually. But my dad always said, like, this a young guy, guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was 20, early 20s. He died backstage or something, I think, uh, because of the dehydration. Yeah. That's and the, that's diuretic use. Yeah. Uh, some guys and girls use
1: diuretics to lose body water. Mm. Uh, and you lose a lot of electrolytes. Electrolytes regulate your heartbeat. So mm. if they get really out of whack, uh, Mohammed Ben Aziza, that beat me in my first pro show. He died on a European tour um, from basically his whole body started cramping up including his heart and he had a heart attack in the very early 30s I
0: think. So this, this process that you guys go through I don't think people understand who see it on stage they just think you know you inject steroids you get on stage but like there's the obviously there's the bulking and you change drugs you, t- you take cutting drugs I guess that are different and then um, then if you're in using I don't know if insulin is a part of that but the fact that you then have to take all of the water out of your body and uh, I went to a bodybuilding contest once and I seen this kid like he, he was like lying there before getting on stage just drained no, energy, and it, yeah. he was getting like these Lucasade tablets and a shot of whiskey before he went on stage and I'm like this is absolutely mental This, um, like what is that process like doing all of these
2: Because
0: Lawrence was asking me about Tren before we came on, and I'm like,
2: Tren's almost a whole other thing now. What is is that
1: even? Trenbolone's an anabolic steroid that um, see a lot lot of anabolic steroids aromatize. What that means is um, because estrogen, which is a female hormone, and testosterone, which is a male hormone, they're they're fairly similar, yeah? Mm. So if you're put in testosterone from outside so your levels are going right up male hormone levels your body can actually convert some of that to estrogen so the estrogen comes up as well so it's trying to keep a bit of a balance right but not all steroids do that some of them don't aromatize to estrogen uh tremolone being being one of them is
2: that considered a, a positive or a negative because uh, considered to be a positive before a contest
1: because if your estrogen levels are high you tend to hold more body fat and more water be a bit softer right it's a female hormone Mm -hmm. Um, so Trembolone we were using that in a form called Parabolone Um, came in from France in 76 milligrams and I'd probably use two of those a week two or three a week was like accepted back then that that would be the maximum so around 200 milligrams uh, because it's quite powerful and Potentially a little bit toxic. Uh, guys are coming to me now that don't even compete, and they "I'm on 800 milligrams of trend I'm like, "Where did you get this? Where did you get this information from?" Like, it's it's crazy. Mm. Well, you know, the internet is a source of information, which information is good, but you got a lot of information.
2: Well, that's what we and were not ta- all we of it's good. A lot this. of it's bad. Yeah, we were talking about this before, weren't we? Because part of the part of my research, I ended up on TikTok. Uh, and no one ever wants to say that when they're doing research but the but the point with that was that there was a guy on um tiktok who was basically he's a bodybuilder and he had his own bodybuilding account and i, I think he hadn't you know he wasn't particularly famous but he was saying he was kind of beyond his peak and now it was time for him to come clean about a couple of things and one of them was about tren. and he said he had a, a gyno problem and these kind of things as a, as a I guess as a, a, a side effect of that and that it came with a lot of side effects. And he felt that the, there was a lot of people on TikTok, Instagram, all these places just advocating for the use of this stuff, not really talking responsibly about it. And he said it really concerned him because, I mean... Yeah,
1: I and, think uh, each generation of bodybuilders are pushing the chemical envelope a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more.
0: It certainly looks that way on stage.
1: Yeah, and, and what, you know, what... <coughs> I'm told by people that compete or even don't compete that are just taking it recreationally they're taking uh, I'm saying mate you're taking more than I took for Mr. Olympia so I don't think you need that and uh, recreation you know, you, you, just- you're getting the benefit that you want the recovery the muscle building right with trying to minimize the negative effects and there is going to be a certain point where you're not really getting any more positive effects anyway mm. it's like a glass of water once it's full it's full you can't use it. It's just spilling over then. So then you're just putting more stress on your body for no benefit.
2: Is that a placebo almost then for some people?
1: Um, I think so. And then they're, they're holding more water. It's not really muscle. That's why the physiques are looking softer. But now.
2: to someone like me, an everyday person, if someone's holding more water, I'm like, fucking hell, you look good. Like, we don't really know the difference well, out know, on the street. I, I
1: get a lot of people asking me for advice. And I always say to them, like, me personally, my advice to you, unless you're competing don't take any steroids unless you're like past 40 and your testosterone is low and that's hormone replacement. That's a different story. That's, that's good <laughs> yeah. for your health. If your testosterone is low and you put it back to, you know, optimal yeah. levels, optimal where you would be when you're 25, 30 and you're like 45, 50 years old, it has tremendous health benefits, but at super high levels, it's not.
0: You know? that, that's an interesting angle as well. The testosterone replacement therapy yeah. um, would like men have this period of their life where things stop working as well as they used to and and things like uh, people call it a midlife crisis but often it is just like when your hormone levels are out of whack and you've been used to a certain level of pep in your step I guess um, you're not feeling as good so that that's where it can really help men feel like it's
1: not not that you're just not feeling so good Um, depression I guess as well depression Mm. arthritis diabetes heart problems mm. all these things can be improved by taking the, you know testosterone replacement amounts. Mm. so in that context is very healthy for people there's, uh, there's a book that I read it was in French at first now it's in English Ageless Man and there's a French doctor in there that's been prescribing testosterone and other androgens for for decades and it's got all the case mm. studies of all the you know uh, health problems that people had that it was basically able to fix with testosterone, but testosterone is no profit in it for drug companies. So they'd rather you take some arthritis drugs and some insulin and some antidepressants and some this and some that. Diagra. You know, all that stuff <laughs> together, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more profitable for you them. See, you so see when guys get older, down. though,
0: like they... No offense to any of the elderly men out there. But, you, know. you are a are. Sh- I mean, you're speaking to someone who's almost 60. No, and he, that- but I'm not talking about Dorian. Well, I don't feel like I'm 60. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. what I'm I'm saying, about, i was about to say. Yeah. You know, when you see those guys who are getting older, the man boobs are coming in, yeah. things aren't like, and they can't be bothered to get out of bed and do the same thing So lack they used of motivation, to. yeah. Yeah, and a bit of, uh, you know, testosterone in them, uh, it would change the game. But it, like you say, it isn't advertised by the companies who can make money off of it because it's
1: yeah you got maybe you'd have to go to a private clinic or something yeah. even
0: your gp is
1: going to probably frown upon it and say no 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 you don't need it yeah even if you're you know there's a there's a parameters right your testosterone should be between whatever 200 and 1000 uh-huh. so if it's 201 I'm okay and you won't prescribe it to me I got to be 199 and then you'll give it to me. Oh. So if you're 200 or 250 or 300, it's not optimal. Uh-huh. You know, you're not functioning optimally. You want to be up near the uh, the top of the range. Uh-huh. Um, and there's this bit of a stigma about it because it's a male hormone, testosterone, yeah. steroids, bodybuilders. But women are on hormone replacement and they're, you know, improving their quality of life
0: with that. Um, it's this idea that it's cheating and it's like, well, not you're not we're not cheating anyone if we do this later on in life as men it's it well, should just be having fine. a better quality of life yeah. and a better health yeah
1: what's wrong with that is it cheating taking insulin is it cheating mm. taking thyroid if your thyroid's not working you're not producing enough testosterone so do you still take any like, yeah i take replacement yeah. uh, therapy if i don't it'll be too low because i mean it happens anyway to to men as they get older uh-huh. but my, i accelerated mine because i was taking steroids for bodybuilding so right. this suppresses your own levels And it's hard to get them to bounce back after using it
0: for years. Because I'm looking at you at 60 years old thinking, bloody hell, I want what he's doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but
1: I mean, testosterone placement is just part of it. I've got Mm. a whole regime for my health. I do um, breathing exercises. I do meditation. I do stretching. I do cardio exercise. I go in the sun. I walk barefoot on the floor. Like So many things I do to look after myself because I did this sport, which is, what i wanted to do and i don't have any regrets or anything like that but it was hard on my body so now i'm being kind, kind. to my body you know it's, it's a very extreme lifestyle and now i feel like i'm more balanced i'm balancing everything rather than being in this extreme mode when did you feel more
2: in touch with your body
1: after i started doing psychedelics i did psychedelics and i got messages when i did it it's the like, best answer i think like you your body's a bit messed up mate you've battered it about you need to straighten it out and be more kind to it and uh, i i remember going to the chiropractor or osteopath i'm not sure in spain i was go like probably twice a month for an adjustment because it was a bit tight here a bit tight there and all that And, and i had this vision like you need to do something different maybe yoga or something and then i went to see him and he's like you ever tried yoga? I said no. It's funny you say that because I've been thinking about it. Isn't that funny? You never, you never saw me since that day. I've never been back to see him because I don't need to go mm-hmm. anymore. Because I did this. I did yoga, and it was like really. What? Imagine I, I couldn't even stand on one foot without like wobbling and falling over because I had no balance. Never trained for balance. To train for power, you're squatting, you're deadlifting, your are leg, two legs, and you push and all power. So it was challenging and all my fascia around my hips and my back and everything was super tight because it bloody needed to be to hold me together in all you know all that that kind of training and uh, i remember i was doing yoga and stretching and they say you know yoga just go to your limit and don't push but you know this it's, it's inside me isn't it to push a little bit so i would feel like my fascia was burning like i was on fire even i was feeling like nauseous and stuff uh, after a while it just got looser and softer and I was able to I couldn't even turn when I drove my car I used to look in the mirror uh, instead of like turning because I couldn't I couldn't turn so that's I'm like I need my body for what I need now I'm like, this yeah. is the only vehicle you've got to experience your life in yeah? and if it's if you're in pain and you can't really function properly it's your quality of life goes down
0: and yeah we've kind of skipped ahead because you you probably were in a lot of pain post bodybuilding because of what you eventually the injuries that you come up against in bodybuilding as well, well
1: i wasn't in a lot of pain i um i had a bicep tear and a tricep tendon tear during my career oh. so that that they were injured but they were healed and they're a bit weak um and my left shoulder was a bit injured uh, i guess the tendons were a bit frayed and mm. damaged uh, from all this super heavy training and then I was doing some MMA with some friends of mine and wrestling and I fell on my shoulder and just snapped the su- the, the rotor cuff and I had two surgeries to try and fix it and it wouldn't fix so I said okay that's it it doesn't hurt me mm-hmm. um, it's just very weak I can't do any kind of pushing or overhead stuff it's very weak um, so I guess it was made it was partially damaged from my career and then I finished it off doing something else. <laughs> and uh, a year ago, I was mountain biking, fell off my mountain bike and I must have put my hand out to catch the fall and it totally dislocated the shoulder, tore tendons, tore ligaments and wow. uh, they wanted to do surgery on it but I said i am not had surgery before. It's painful, it's time out. I don't want to do it. Um, so I've just rehabbed it and strengthened it as much as I can. So I've got injuries which are a bit limited and if I want to, you know, if I wanted to train heavy, I can't do it. You know, I'd still like to train a bit heavier, but I can't, and I accept it. But I can do everything else. You know, I can swim, I can do yoga, I can do Pilates, or biking, whatever, and light training and cardio. So it's all I need now. I'm not really in pain. I was just a bit like, not severe pain, but I had tightness in my back and things like that, and tightness in my hips. I remember having a conversation with the osteopath, and he said, you know, when men were more primitive, and women, used to sit in the squat all the time you know women used to wash if you look at India they'd sit in a squat and wash the clothes by the river and all that guys would sit around a campfire in a squat and all that and I was thinking oh I used to squat four or five hundred pounds with my ass on the floor I'm sure I can and I got down a squat and I was like oh it's all tight and everything uh-huh. Yeah, okay so I need to work on that so uh, my body is just more functional now
0: how old were you when you had your last bodybuilding contest uh, I was 35
1: so I retired when I was 36 um, it's, young, isn't it? it's a young man's sport most oh. sports are you're putting your body under a lot of stress um, so guys are competing a bit older now
0: a lot of them are actually yeah. yeah. a lot of them in their like 40s and still well obviously there was Sean Roden who won Mr. Olympia 45, 44 and he died at 46 yeah. that must have been a, a bit of a shock in the community when someone so recently the world champion is it, it's a
1: shock because he's a Mr. Olympia mm. right um And there was a guy, I'm sorry, I can't remember his second name. from New York, George. He died in the hotel before the contest. Wow. So it was like, uh, you know, double whammy. Uh. But there's, you know, uh, the bodybuilding lifestyle and the drug taking and everything affects your vascular system and the viscosity of the blood and everything. And then there's something else around now. I don't know if I can mention it. but
2: Yeah, you can mention anything you want.
1: Uh, you know, this one that people are doing, I don't want to say it because I don't want to get this thing pulled or anything. Sure, right,
2: I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah, but uh-huh.
1: this also you, does... You get it the, twice. One, the V. Oh, right,
2: yeah. If you're not... If, if you're not V'd, if you've not got your V card, yeah.
1: Um, we can go down a rabbit hole with that. Um, Maybe at some point, but, yeah. But, uh, you know, you got 110, 105 FIFA football players that have collapsed on the pitch. Fit young guys... After the thing, oh, yeah. Right. Um, it is that true? Coagulates wow, the hit. blood, yeah. Wow. Uh, rugby players, football players, athletes dropping blood. Yeah, I, their I've, flights. Seen, a, I've <coughs>
0: seen a report of like um, how many people had uh, died in America within like, you know, a short time after having it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it doesn't fit the narrative to report on that right now. For no, but it's
1: coming out now. The CDC yeah. are basically saying, oops, we're sorry, all those COVID. Uh, deaths that we put down to COVID you know what 90% was already dying from something else Uh so that's coming out WHO now admitting that COVID is no more dangerous than a normal flu that we get every year there's no more deaths than we have every year so it's a huge uh, it's a huge scam and it's I don't think this truth is going to be able to be stopped coming out the media's doing their best to not cover it but it's leaking out
0: yeah uh, well we're recording this on a day where Boris Johnson's bringing in um, new r- uh, restrictions or whatever and the city, uh, within a week of uh, it all coming out that is they were having parties last Christmas well yeah that's true Celebrating. Know. Yeah, because they,
1: they know right you know they'll wear the masks in public but in private they won't yeah so there's a video of that girl they laughing know, about it know first of all the virus is not that dangerous and secondly the mask does fuck all anyway mm. apart from make it worse because you're breathing in your own toxins so you people are getting pneumonia and stuff because they're wearing these dirty masks all day and they're not breathing properly people are forced to wear masks now to work to go to work they don't have any choice if they want to keep the job they go all day wear this mask and these blue masks that everyone's wearing go check out the big box that the little boxes come in. on the side of the box it says this will not protect you from any virus including coronavirus and you're all wearing them. Yeah. Mm. It tells you. Mm, sure. you know? Well, I, I mean, the must seen, so. of all. Kamala Harris sort of is, you know, the
2: Kamala second Harris, yeah. Uh, yeah. In vice charge president
1: after the senile guy. Um, she, I just saw a video today and she's saying, she's telling people, but they still don't get it. 85% of the people now in the hospital with COVID are vaccinated. So it doesn't protect you from anything, it's likely to make you sicker. Interesting So this is coming from their You know
0: Their own mouths I mean I think the, the, the lack of belief In the government Is finally starting To get to that point now Where The regular people Who followed all the rules And haven't been sceptical From the start Are now at that point I think a lot of people Like you Probably from the get go Were sceptical I know well, I knew I knew What was going
1: on From day one Because yeah. I knew That this uh, New world order Globalist plan I mean, I've known about it for
2: 20 years since I met David Icke in Birmingham, you know. So how did you, so um, b- before you met David Icke, were you kind of already uh, into into that epistemology? Uh, I already epistemology? sense
1: that things are not right. Right. But I didn't know exactly the way the world works with the, you know, secret societies and families controlling uh, mostly everything. Mm-hmm. I learned that a long time ago and I learned what the ultimate end goal is is to have a one-world system, one-world government, army, uh, digital... Basically, a a technological form of communism. Right, okay. Uh, That's the plan for us (laughs) to have no freedoms, no freedom of movement and... uh, Finances and so on, and also uh, to dramatically reduce the world population.
2: When you say communism, what you mean is kind of um, because I, I don't know that much about this, you mean kind of dysfunctional communism that we saw before, sort of some people at the top creaming off and everyone else sort of yes, um, that's how it is. That's how it works, as workers right? as, as, as that's you that, put it yeah. and surprisingly
0: right. though I think it's it, what what I've learned in the last couple of years is how easy that is to actually put in place I always thought <coughs> when I was listening to David Icke or any any conspiracy uh, theorist um, the thing is that where does that term come from conspiracy well, theorist yeah, yeah actually not
1: theories are provable facts well, most there, of these things
2: I mean the problem with David Icke obviously you it know can know make I mean? it publicly very difficult I think to to Have, um, sort of a reasoned debate in uh, you know mainstream you areas, no, no, nobody areas. Is,
1: nobody's right on anything. And David Ike's just a researcher, he uh, researches, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, that I think. That. He
0: makes jumps though, and, and that's the thing. I, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying look, I've what I've, I've, I've we've had him on the podcast, and when he did 911, I couldn't argue with the words, just word to be clear, saying. David Ike David didn't do 911; <laughs> it, was, it was someone else, but you know,
2: he, he <laughs> but the point out, is, yeah. is, is
0: there's certain jumps he makes, and especially when COVID hit and he was putting it down to um, the the telephone change. Um, the 5G. Yeah. Right. A uh, I've, I've very I've basic that. The telephone I? change, uh, yeah. But but um, this is the thing is, a lot of the things David Icke said back in the day, as much as he might have come up with things I don't agree with, this vaccine passport and all of that, it is one step closer to... Like that inevitable ID card, and um, and what the the thing he D-
1: digital like digital control. Yeah. So the the idea is that all your financial records, medical records, travel, all that will be digital, mm. and within your Trackable. within yourself right. within your body.
0: And one of his theories that um, was the totalitarian tiptoe about how y- you know you can't get a um, the public to. You know, buy into everything immediately. You've got to have an end goal, and you've got to uh, baby feed them. You know, like small steps that's, at one time and get them there. And I do feel like happened. in this that's last two happening. years, I've been—I always wondered when I went back and watched the nine eleven documentaries about. You know, was it a controlled demolition and all of that? And I, 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 you know, I believe that there was there was some shady shit going on around it. Um, and I've always, I've always wondered, like, would I spot when something? like that happened as an adult and now this has happened the last two years I'm not saying that COVID is um, something fictional that, yeah it's certainly a real thing in my opinion but what I mean is the, the government have used it to their own benefit clearly to gain as much power as possible and they do it just like they did for 9-11 they do it in the name of the disaster yeah. but the problem is, is when, the, when, the, when the event is over they never give back the power. That's absolutely it, they, how it it's works. A, it's a land grab. And we're in a position now where there are people in Australia being put into uh, COVID camps. There are, uh, in Germany, there are people being arrested on the street for not having a COVID and passport. And if you told
1: people this would happen 10 years ago, you they would say to? you're crazy. That- Part of
0: the reason it's happening
1: is on a spiritual level because a lot of people are waking up now. A lot of people are questioning things where before they didn't. Mm. And it's a time in human evolution where people are going to wake up and become more aware and realize uh the system's not to their benefit so they got to kind of shut that
2: down before it gets too much momentum and this was something that 20 years ago you sort of took an interest in uh, is that something you've kind of was there a moment though right like i, I think
1: uh, i had a crisis when i kind of finished bodybuilding because that's all i did that's all i knew that's all my energy going into that and then shit what I'm going to do now it wasn't even planned my retirement because I did it with an injury and some things happened in my personal life as well I lost somebody very close to me and I got divorced a lot of stuff was going on it just made me question everything so I started reading and thinking and studying everything and I came across I I came across a lot of uh, stuff that were really eye opening and like wow the world is not the way I thought it was
2: Were you um, were you always spiritual? Were you always someone uh who kind of question things like that, or is there no, not really much space always, for that always, when you're bodybuilding? There's always
1: been somebody that is hard to control and always <laughs> asking questions and not following.
2: But within that, is there a spiritual element to to you around um, that? Do you think there's always been there, or is that something you've nurtured after bodybuilding? Yeah, it's,
1: it's been nurtured, but I think everybody's got it inside of them. Um, I, I, you know, th- I think we're all aware that something bigger than the physical world that we're perceiving and picking up there's something outside of that right. you want to call it god or universe or whatever you want to call it
2: what do, what do you do you put a, a word on that
1: i guess i don't really like the word god because i associate it with them when i was at school and you tell you there's this guy up in the sky is going to punish you if you don't do th- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what i want you to do basically yeah. uh so maybe it's a bit of a negative i still feel with that so i just call it you know the the universe Purposeful. whatever yeah, like sure. you know we're all part of it and from psychedelics I learned this clearly that everything's everything it's all we're all part you know we're all we're all part of it
2: because that's what you were talking about is I have you you've done ayahuasca and done a ceremony for that as well yeah, I have, yeah. where, where did you uh, where did you do I that? did it in Spain initially and then
1: uh, you know I told uh, Brian Rose on London Real about it and we did the podcast and it was very popular and then he went to try it at this place out in Costa Rica Saltara and they got in touch with me and said anytime you want to come out here and do you know do the ceremonies at this place uh, you're welcome to come out and I said thank you then they called me back and they said you know what we had another idea instead of you coming to do it why don't you come out and headline a camp and dorian yates ayahuasca camp and we get people from the fitness industry and stuff like that or you know that follow you that could be also interested um so we've put three com- camps on out there so far like 20 people in the group and uh i guess people came that maybe were curious but thinking maybe it's not for me because that's maybe some far out hippie stuff and i'm a bodybuilder i'm in from yeah. the gym but hey I'm, I'm curious about it and dorian's doing it so they right. came because of that and i've seen you know people literally change their lives for for the better from i, a, from I a know a guy
0: i know a guy who's like as blokey as a guy can get right like um he come back into my gym and he told me he was going to do this um dmt trip and he, he come back and he went brian you're not going to believe it and like he was like he had this different look different complete attitude yeah and he was like I just I've cried and I've cried and he, he went back to his girlfriend and he was like I'm so sorry for the way I've been treating yeah. you he stopped smoking he he, he, he said I, I, I spoke to uh, god or whatever it was and and like this is a guy who's like the last person i ever expected to have an epiphany and like yeah. all of a sudden he's coming up with all this and more like he's literally tears running down his eyes when he's talking about this experience he had and that was when i was like bloody hell if i can save you yeah. like <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> i want to
1: try this one day you will be changed and you will see everything from a different
0: perspective what was your experience like then
1: every time it's a little bit different but that was the main thing i mean uh, my first experience I was laughing because I was like, "Wow, this is it! This like it's like I knew everything." I couldn't. The thing is, you can't retain all of it. With DMT, is very quick. Well, ayahuasca is DMT, but it's mixed with another compound, so it lasts for hours. So it's kind of slower. You get a bit more from it. Um, but with the uh, with DMT, I saw like everything's one thing. It's all connected, and this life is just a little dream and don't take it seriously and i was literally pissing myself laughing like that's it you bastards and i've been getting stressed and worried and it's all just a little game and you never die you just you know just playing a role now and then you go somewhere else and um, you know i still forget that sometimes because i'm here i'm doing this you know so sometimes i still can you know think this is like all there is and it's real and get stressed and everything but uh yeah it gives you a different perspective on things
2: so ju- just um uh, i'm really curious about how these things work so um you invite people out and then when when you're doing wh- what does the ceremony entail because people call it a ceremony i kind yeah. of have this idea of, yeah. i think a lot of people probably go headdresses full garb but i don't know if that's reality oh
1: well, what it is um first when you get there there's a, like some initiations like they, they tell you about the plant and what to expect and all the which is great and how to like integrate this how to handle it when you go home because I didn't really know that and I was like wanted to tell everybody <laughs> and they just can't relate to what, you, what you're telling them they just think "Oh, okay mate you, you know you went in the jungle you took some drugs and you hallucinated no, just like I'm a celebrity I, I was there I was like oh, really, this really happened to me and uh, so you have to be careful how much you tell people because otherwise right. they, they doubt you and you, when, you begin, when you see yeah. their doubt they don't even need to say anything like just the face right then you start to think oh was it did I really have that experience right Um, so anyway the ceremony itself um, is like I attract people there and I maybe have a little chat with them or something when we're there Um, but the ceremonies have nothing to do with me because I'm not a shaman yeah I I go in there as a you know as a student like everybody else uh, and you have a meeting with the shaman before the ceremonies to say hey this is me and this is why I'm here this is what I'm going to work on and you know they keep that in mind when they do the ceremonies and uh, you go in and uh, you have your place like a you know like a mattress or something where you can you're going to sit and you go up one at a time and you you take the drink the medicine and you sit down and you wait for the effects to start, start. and then the shamans take over they start to, these particular shamans are from the Shipibo tribe and they're do ikaros? I think I hope I'm pronouncing it right basically they're songs they're spiritual songs so they'll see you and they'll read you know once they're in they take the the plant medicine themselves so the plant ayahuasca is not just you're taking a drug it's some kind of intelligence that I really way more intelligent than us Who knows who you are it knows why you're there it knows what you need to learn and uh the shaman kind of works with that energy and he'll sing songs for you but they're for you for your situation and then they go to brian and it'll be helping brian with his situation often you throw up you might shit yourself <laughs> i heard people pissing themselves laughing i've heard people crying i heard women having orgasms so
2: <laughs> all kind of stuff is going on is is it sorry but is this all at the same time in a room then yeah we're all in the room together and is that and do you must have good cleaning stuff they genuinely are they are you conscious of the other people in that moment or are you um, yeah you can
1: kind of come in and out of it you can hear stuff going on um, but within your own experience as well and you can close your eyes or open your eyes and you see a lot of symbolism basically which is the structure of reality is made up from numbers uh, i don't know if you heard of the fibonacci sequence but you know mm-hmm. starts with one one and two and it's within all structures of everything you see a lot of numbers and shapes and colors and messages and uh every experience is different and every individual's experience is different and it's frustratingly hard to describe
2: yeah you no know, you d- i think you've done a good job though i'm yeah.
1: trying but it's an impossible task to to really describe it all um, did, did it make you want to change your life after you had that experience then? Every time is, is, is different and you, naturally it's going to change anyway. And mm. some stuff came up that uh, I thought I had dealt with, I thought I'd processed it, but it was still still there on a deeper level and it came out and you know, you're know, you crying or screaming or whatever, you're just, just getting it out. Even when you're throwing up, it's not a physical thing it is obviously a physical thing you're throwing up but it's almost like you're purging out negative emotions and things emotions even get stored in your body you know often time when you get or probably always there's a psychological route to every kind of disease and pain and everything like that so people sometimes spontaneously healed or the the pain goes away because the emotion has created that pain I have a friend that practices a different kind of medicine and it has been very successful uh, and he 's explained to me every cancer has a trauma at some point in your life that was the root cause, and actually, when you get cancer it's the trauma is coming out, and uh, they don't use any medicine they, they process it out and it kind of goes away where here. You go to hospital, tell you 've got cancer, you sh- sh- right into fear mode straight away All right so and then they give you toxic chemicals on top of that, so uh, that 's not going to go well. If you know how to handle it psychologically and work through it, at least that's if, uh, new German medicine. If anyone wants to look that up, it's very interesting. What's that? Is oh, so if someone
2: is interested in that, what what kind of what new, uh,
1: new German medicine? That's is actually it? literally what you. would Doctor uh, do, uh, Hammer, right? Um, it's not something that I practice, but I've I've had conversations with. With somebody that had three cancers and they're still here. That's fascinating. Practicing okay. this.
0: This mm-hmm. is interesting coming from you because you were a person who was trial and error. Everything has to be fact based and backed up with data. Mm. And now a lot of the the stuff that you're interested in, um, it's tricky to prove, isn't it? It, it? It's it's you know there are there is some evidence. Yeah, you can't put this in a box, man. Yeah, you know. Uh, so so the fact that uh, you can believe that, that though that, is um, interesting.
1: Black and white logical thinking dorian mm. is now a m- lot more flexible mm. um actually i had a lesson um because people know i'm i'm, I'm a cannabis user and an advocate of uh, of cannabis and for certain people certain situations maybe and i've helped a few people i know friends with uh cannabis extract cannabis oil to cure their cancers and the, you know this is fact i know them it's, it's happened so i went to one time i went to the um ayahuasca and the shaman and uh, had my little consultation with him and he looked at me and he said uh, you, you use a lot of coffee i said no i don't drink coffee he said cannabis i said yeah mm, you need to use less so there's me though you know Analytical, logical. Less, but how much? But when? Once <coughs> right. a week, twice a week? What? He just laughed at me. He said, "Wait, see, that's that's the plan." Okay. How much were you you smoking at the time? Do you know? I really much smoke every day, like, but not not really lots. I'm still fairly disciplined with this as well. as like after my work's finished and everything in the evening, it's just like somebody else might have a glass of wine or whatever. You know, go down the pub and you have one or yeah. two drinks. I'll have a joint. That's it. And a little bit of. Um, do you
0: cannab- ever combine it with a glass of wine? Sorry, do you ever combine it with a glass of? Yeah, wine? a glass of red wine. Good shout that! Isn't it? <laughs> what <laughs> a combination! <laughs> Tell you and, what,
1: uh, I have a couple of little In drops Amsterdam. of the extract before I go to bed.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, does that help though? But, uh, for sleeping, the way <coughs> the way it helps. It, it
1: helps for sleep, and um, it's um, it's basically a preventative medicine. THC uh, is very powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory anti-cancer medicine. It's good for so many things. And don't have to take my word for it, guys. If you go search a guy called Robert Malamede, I think I'm pronouncing it right. He's a molecular biologist. And his field of expertise is free radicals. We're talking about exercise and free radicals. Free radicals, aging and damaging your cells. And uh, he's the world's leading expert on it and he says cannabis is number one uh antioxidant anti-inflammatory medicine that you can take so anyway you know I got this love affair with uh Mary Jane yeah cannabis (laughs) so he's telling me I need to cut back a bit yeah how much whatever he's like just laugh. he said just wait took the drink and you know there's so many things going on so I'm just picking up one thing that I remember and uh the plant was speaking to me in my mind and it's always a female voice and she said um you think about water is water good or bad water's good there's no life on a planet without water and you know it's essential right water water it's good yeah so water's good yes okay how about if you're fucking drowning in it oh it's not so good then so what I learned from that experience is nothing is black and white. Nothing is black and white. And it changed the way I think from being so, this is good, this is bad, this is black, this is white. It just made me realize that it's not like that. You know, you gotta be a lot more flexible in your thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: It was weird for me when I watched that London Real podcast, the original one, because at the time I was really into bodybuilding, but I was also researching nine eleven 11 and all these other. And to have the guy who I was aspiring to be like in training, Come out with a lot of the things I was researching. It was like shit. Like this is like, and the way, and you had your like
1: facts. I, I, I don't know how there's anybody on the planet at this point doesn't know that nine eleven was a planned demolition. I mean, it's so obvious, mm-hmm. and there's so many people that were there that were saying that, and a lot of those people had accidents or were murdered. There's just so much when you look into it. It's blatantly obvious, but these people that run the show they just think we're so stupid
0: Well, we are that's the problem we're so stupid we, we, they, we they,
1: they show us what they're going to do mm-hmm. in movies and, and tv they always show you before because there's a spiritual aspect to this there's a karma yeah there's karma attached but in a way we've given them permission we've said okay because they've showed us they've mm-hmm. showed us what they're going to do and we haven't protested and said no don't do that Uh, It's called Predictive Programming You can go back And and movies I was telling my daughter Years ago Stop watching these movies The Hunger Games And all these games Because every movie That's coming out now For the young people Is about this dark Dystopian future It's like Programming your mind That this can And will happen Uh, When the Pandemic That wasn't a pandemic Started um, I went on my Apple box You know If you've got Apple TV There's like the top Mm. 40 movies or something
0: one was literally called pandemic yeah there was the like 10 there was pandemic virus contagion,
1: contagion. Right, they, yeah. they were there. there was like 10 of them so <sighs> over the years they've been preparing us mentally for this that this could happen and you could be in this woo, scary future where there's a virus that's going to kill everybody
0: everyone at the time when it happened was saying to me we're going into the lockdown and i was like wait what the fuck's a lockdown like what like, but everyone else was like, "Yeah, lockdown, lockdown."
2: I also remember what my experience was at that time, and I'll admit I, I, there was a lot of fear. I had a, yeah. I had a pregnant uh, wife, yeah. and my dad was That's very was very fear, seriously fear it, is the biggest weapon. I, I was very, they were very seriously ill, and I'll be honest. I, you know, I, I, I think Brian and I discussed this on a podcast. The kind of doubt for me, it wasn't even. Uh, from my perspective, it wasn't me going, there's definitely a virus. It's, it's pretty much, I can't roll the dice with some of these people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think they play on those. Uh, some people the, the, play on those aspects. There's
1: always a virus. Sure. There's, there's you know, there's flu every year. Somehow flu Flu's magically disappeared.
0: Mutations are going to uh, happen. Yeah. There's
1: always a virus. So uh, if there was a pandemic, then surely the, um, what's it called, like the mean Uh, all cause mortality Mm -hmm. all cause mortality you know people that dying of everything would go up right Mm. it wasn't it's like 2020 is a little bit less than 2019 and 2018 so in Spain there was a court case somebody took a case against the Spanish government the health department of the Spanish government and said okay you you did all these measures because of COVID-19 right okay so can you show us proof that COVID-19 exists and it has been isolated as a you know, particular virus? They didn't even turn up in court. So now all the fines in Spain have to be paid back because I there was no basis for the lockdown in the first place. Hmm. You're looking at the numbers... Do you know of Boris's father wrote a book about... Uh, how we need to reduce the population through uh, virus. Yeah. Why am I not surprised that uh, one of the Johnsons wrote
2: that? Yeah, I, um, oh, that makes perfect sense. They, they're
1: eugenicists. Mm.
2: No shit. Uh-huh. Uh, with the way they look as well, isn't that mental? Uh, um,
0: uh, it should start at home. But the no, that even no matter what I what anyone believes, I, I always try and look at the numbers <laughs> and base my behaviour off what the numbers are saying. And even if the numbers are, are fake, uh, it it you you kind of even even if they are fake. You got to look at the government and go. Your behaviour does not match where we are now. Even in your story, it doesn't even line up. Like a right. hundred, a hundred. We're in between a hundred and two hundred deaths a day from COVID. How, to, how do we analyze that with a PCR test? That's it, absolutely useless. Exactly. But even if that is true, it doesn't make sense to be doing what we're doing now. Right. To me, because we were at like a, what was it? A, seven eight hundred or whatever before we locked down or whatever it was last time mm-hmm. to be acting like this before Christmas now I like, hear
2: what we're saying they're
1: coming to get us sure.
0: but uh, the, the credibility of the government uh, you know it, it surprised me how, how many people just sort of abided by all the rules to start with Uh-oh. after they kept changing what, what it is story. the
1: majority of people are literally hypnotised they're hypnotised by the propaganda and the tell live vision um, and they can't really think for themselves and fear is like what happens when you're really in fear you just freeze you mm-hmm. right. just freeze you can't do anything you literally mm-hmm. freeze and that's that's the mode that a lot of people are in they're really they're really afraid and like, if
0: you dare to stick your neck up above and go I don't agree with this you'll be absolutely annihilated by pe- like the regular people do you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying if you say what, I don't man, agree with this guess what, or what, I want a better explanation
1: you just gotta not give a fuck about that mm. they might the main thing is there's always got to like speak your truth that's it whatever it is And uh, do you not think it's more hustle than it's worth
0: sometimes though to yeah, be that what, person what should
1: we all do dip our heads below the parapet so we, no one can say anything and we just keep on walking into this nightmare
2: mm. I've got to admit there is, when, when, I, yeah. when
1: we're in a place and everybody wakes up one day and say shit what happened mm. what's happened to the world we can't do anything we can't go anywhere it's going to be too late so people need to speak up now i also can th- people are listening some people might disagree with me but if there's one or two people that's like you know what i'm gonna look into this a little bit more that's all i tell people to do do your research have a look into it don't just blindly follow and do what you're told you know it's like 60 million people were killed in in russia by the government uh, communism in china and uh Paul Parton, you know it's happened before. The government's not your friend, and the government's supposed to be there to serve us, not to dictate to us mm. all the time. Same as the police force, supposed to be there to serve the public, not to protect uh, the elite, which is what's happening now. Basically, that they're, they're the foot
0: soldiers uh, for the elite, and that's where my frustration comes from. Because if, after researching nine eleven and realizing, okay, whether or not it was an inside job, there, uh, whoever did that the government definitely covered it up. Yeah,
1: they took the base out it, and they had charges on every it, floor. Yeah,
0: you watch any demolition, it's a 10-second to the, to the ground. That is exactly what happened with both the t- uh, Twin Towers, free fall speed. There is no fire in the world that will... G- Grenfell's... Grenfell? Grenfell. Grenfell's yeah. still standing there. You know what I mean? It didn't just come down in rubble and that was a, an inferno, a proper fire, not a badly burning fire at the top. So when, when, when your brain accepts that, okay, they lied about this. I can't then trust them about anything after that because that was one of the worst. That was things kind I've of like one of the major steps to take us to where we are
1: now, yeah? Mm. And I, I told everybody, like, because I used to go to the States a lot and it all changed. You know, you can't take your water on, you're going to do this, you've got to go through the scanner all that so in this, the naked this body, is, this is
0: training stage. he's hitting the double biceps in the scanner
1: yeah. to be fair when they see when they I see drawing, they go, you're
2: going to have to get a scan I don't go scan. through the scanner right I
1: don't do it I don't you go don't go through fit. there. I don't go through there so you can and you know they try to make it inconvenient for it to not oh we're going to do a body search okay wait there they make it wait and then they come along and they're like you know your private area I'm going to touch with the back of my hand and this try to like make you feel uncomfortable and humiliated so I just reverse it and I'm like you're having a good time there my bowl's a little massage. thanks mate you know <laughs> <laughs> then they get uncomfortable right yeah
0: okay yeah yeah that makes <laughs> oh fucking hell so so yeah you 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 started talking about that on the Brian Rose podcast and uh, London Real he he then sort of that, that channel that blew boomed up. off yeah. of that was the first time I'd ever seen those two guys. It actually used to be two guys. Yeah, there were two
1: guys on my first uh, yeah. podcast. It was it was, like, Wait, uh, it was two guys? Yeah. yeah. It was, I just thought uh, it was just Brian.
2: Brian, uh, It's Brian's
1: thing, isn't it? Brian and uh, Nick mm. were um, originally London Real, and the first one
0: I did right. so it was so two guys. So yeah. who's yeah. Nick? Nick was the best friend of... Or, or the, he was his jujitsu jitsu instructor, I think. Right. Uh, and Nick had... Um, he was like they were very different nick was the more enlightened one brian was the business banger never seen yeah. that before um and uh and i loved that podcast and uh, so naturally i started watching more and um nick basically got the boot and brian just yeah took, he, took
1: he, he has his story i think you can see yeah. it's on youtube he talks all about that and oh. you know i don't know the ins and outs of it but they were a team the first one i did and then yeah. nick was gone and you know, I didn't think or ask why
2: really. So you're saying the co host needs to be careful?
0: Well, I, I watched um I, <laughs> I did watch the Nick the Nick story and he he was less than complimentary of Brian. He basically said we we started this together and then Brian fucked me off as soon as it started to get success. So it was a Brian, isn't it? Oh ironically. Yeah Um yeah. but but the interesting thing was uh, you he asked you to do an interview recently and over the time London Real has been um about the journey and growing who you are and then eventually it became an academy and you you know he he would do this thing where business you get half the podcast course, so, yeah. on youtube for free and then you'd have to sign up to get the yeah. other half very uh, smart business model uh, which is ironically what he said to uh, to me when i went on his podcast and um i said look can i have the whole thing to put on my channel at a later date or whatever he's like yeah yeah and then after the fact I then asked him for the whole thing and he went no 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 Um, so that's why I removed our podcast for those who wondered about Brian Rose because it's the only podcast I've ever taken down but then Brian went into a different direction um, uh, which was um, the Freedom Platform and you get loads of people that donate money
2: for that now was that, with, was that the one with David Icke?
0: Yeah, I right. think David yeah. Icke helped him launch that
2: um, when he was doing the whole Ike Rose 3. So there was Ike Rose 1, there was, um, there was, then there was Frost Nixon 2, yeah. and then there was Ike Rose 3. So, so he
0: inserted him, he, he was trying to grow his name
2: off David Icke basically.
0: Right. Um, Who the, Freedom, the Freedom Platform got about a million donations, a million pounds worth of donations. <laughs> no
2: fucking way!
0: Yeah, and then, and then it never materialised. Yeah, it was more than that. So
1: my experience with brian and london real was the first one i did with brian and nick um i think i did a second one then it came to spain and did a documentary mm. so you know it, it was mutually beneficial i hadn't never done a podcast before and uh i didn't really like doing interviews and i had done uh, thousands of interviews and it's always the same bodybuilding questions mm. but what i liked about london real is we went off on tangents and we you know we talked but, yeah, before we went on I was somehow it came up the conversation with psychedelics and Nick was like can we ask you about this On I said you ask me whatever you want you know I don't really care um, and it was super popular right it boosted London Real and it was good for me as well um, so it was all good until and, and Brian was very good at his job I think it was a very good interview he had amazing guests on there and uh, I was actually me that suggested hey, take a look at this guy david ike i think it would be interesting for your show and initially didn't want to have him on there but in the end he, he did and whatever happened got took down from youtube or, or so he's like we're well, we going to fight this censorship yeah and the whole thing that was going on with the pandemic and everything we're going to fight this he made a lot of videos at we're that gonna, time didn't he? we're going to create an army All london right. real army and everyone was behind it. Even me, like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get, all get together and let's fight. This is, like, create a bloody mm-hmm. a movement. And then there was, like, protest in London with David Icke and, and different people speaking, and Brian was conspicuously absent. So I was thinking, are you really doing this? If it's not for your benefit and you're not leading it, you're not you're not interested. So you're not really interested. He was certainly making a lot of videos, but, yeah. yeah. So he was He's asking for money to all. be donated, and everyone got behind it. Friends of mine donated money because we're with this cause, create, you know, build this freedom platform. And he spoke to me and so said, we're going to build this platform. I'm like, but why do you need all this money, Brian, to do the, the podcast? Because yeah, we need to build the platform. And it's not going to be just for me. I'm going to build a platform like YouTube, but everyone can use it. And mm-hmm. they can put on there what they want. You know, it's going to be free, a like, freedom be platform. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, and I'm not tech savvy or anything like that, but, some of my friends were and they're like mate this guy hasn't created anything he's just using existing platforms and not even that expensive Mm. so that was the first thing and some of my friends were then were messaging him on instagram or wherever basically asking like you know i donated money i'm supporting you but i got some questions he was delete 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 so the guy that was fighting against censorship was censoring his own followers so i said Freedom. it was a bit strange but I still didn't really want to believe that he was ripping people
0: off there was also the business courses that he started the business doing. courses yeah, they, I don't know too some much about terrible that reviews but, where uh, people... I made a lot
2: of money from mine so the joke's <laughs> on you two yeah. okay.
0: basically because he spent a lot of time with this Dan Pena this billionaire creator he started yeah. doing his own business courses started wearing Dan suits as well and then they did fit well I though. don't know if they were good ideas but, but the guy was charging thousands and thousands of pounds sometimes 15,000 pounds for a business course I think worth every penny for me and a lot of people were asking for their money back and I've seen footage of, of people in the street running up to Brian with a camera and he just it's very political ironically deny, deny, deny sort of thing and then after he's kind of burnt a few bridges there he pivots again into politics and runs for mayor right after all that money had been raised and a lot of people are like okay so you got a lot of money for the freedom platform but well, that happen. hasn't really materialised the way we thought it would. And then you make a massive, expensive campaign for mayor. In which In which Well, the, that's, no that's
1: been
0: when drawn. he
1: contacted me to do a further interview. Right. So I know what he wanted to do. He wanted to interview me so it would seem like I'm backing him for mayor. Yeah? Mm. And he said he was second in the betting odds. But... He basically put money on himself so that's how he got up in the betting did odds.
0: you see did you see that interview where he gets sort of rumbled where the guy goes yeah but he goes we're second in the odds and he goes have you put money on yourself and he goes I might have put money on myself because <laughs> if you have a massive bet come in the, have the, the, odds, the odds have yeah. to change well
1: the best one was with these young kids that interviewed him oh they, they my god yeah, 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 they were like 15 years old yeah. and they showed <laughs> him up and he just he had to get off oh, it's time to go now I, I, I gotta go I gotta, my, they're telling me bye bye
0: yeah. That so, must be hard for you though the, because the you thing, helped build this creature yeah. and now your name and your credibility as well as many other guests that he's had yeah. is helped create I mean, He this.
1: had some amazing guests on mm. there. It's a, such a shame because he had a brilliant podcast. He was good at his job. This Freedom Platform thing, he could have really got behind that and mm. really started Some People were getting behind him. And so he asked me, can you do this interview? I said, I can, Brian, but I'm going to bring this up because people ask him where's the money at. Oh, uh, you know i don't really uh i can't really address that i just want to talk about my thing from there i mean what i could have done really but i could have just gone on there and ambushed him he said nah, no i can't oh, we'll address this uh, another date i said no nah, i said if that's the way you want to do it mate i'm not going to do the interview and then i just put something on my instagram saying guys if you're you know looking forward to the interview sorry i'm not doing it and these are the reasons why and I don't want to associate myself with Brian anymore because he can't answer these questions even to me. So uh, oh. that was it with with Brian. It's a shame he could have it uh, could have took it in a totally different direction.
0: He's now into uh, crypto, so he's pivoted again, and he's basically got the nickname online as like the grifter who keeps on grifting. Right. Okay. And it, it, there's always somebody else out there that's going to be naive and he'll be able yeah, to rip Of course, course. every
2: yeah. town needs a monorail. Yeah. Have
0: you ever seen that? episode? <laughs> There's an episode of The Simpsons where there's a guy selling the monorail. The monorail. Monorail. And then he goes to like Shelbyville and he goes to the next town and he sells the, make, the same crappy railway line. To be fair, the, the railway uh, um, line's fantastic. Not saying that that's Brian Rose, of course. We wouldn't. Ever I'm actually just talking about
2: a completely unrelated episode of The Simpsons. Um,
0: but no, it, it's difficult. It's It is a shame when you've invested a piece of you and I know how I felt about Brian after he told me one thing and then did a completely different thing. You're like, nobody had a bigger impact on London Real than you. Like, you're the reason I found out who they were. And then I'll say, like, what he's allegedly, how badly he's allegedly trepped people. And even that campaign for Mayor, let's just speak facts, it was... Cringe with, Well, look, yeah. the, the, the problem the bu- with the cam- What was the bus called? He had it. He was in the back of a bus with his pinstripe suit on every day, taking calls, and he's like, "Hey,
2: everybody!" he's got no one viewing it. The no pro- one cared. He that, spent that all was, that money. That was the problem. And it was an ego trip. Yeah. That's all it was. But he did. He's he, never going to win. His real problem, I think, was he ended up. He ended up uh, running for mayor in the same year as I think. Uh, well, two predominantly uh, big YouTubers from the platform. Or they did one, it for one big a, for and one joke small. did it for a joke and they got more votes both of them got more votes than Brian Rose he spent over
0: apparently his budget it was like the biggest budget in like running for mayor of London
1: but surely he must have known that it had no chance
0: I think, I think he did but I think th- this is the thing with him the way it comes across anyway is like just seeing his face on all those billboards it got him off it must have done something for him where because the way Brian grew his career was being the other guy so it's all about Dorian it's all about David Ike that's why when that, that's funny because he made a documentary
1: about myself he came to Spain to film and all yeah. this stuff and so we're having the premiere at the the BAFTA buildings which was nice and yeah. I bring all my friends and family and different guests and all that we're watching it and uh, I didn't see it before the premiere I didn't particularly want to I said just do what you want man I'll come and watch it yeah and it started and I'm like it's all about Brian at the start yeah. so I used to be a banker and this and that and that and the first five minutes I am where's where's the
0: Dorian and then it okay then it shifts into it but it's all it's all so, about promoting himself exactly basically. so th- that's why when he did uh, the David Icke interviews he called them Ike Rose because what he's trying to do is take from your stardom yeah. take from the David Icke stardom and build himself up but because he is there's definitely skills there as a man. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it there was, isn't. It was great as a job. But, and because he wants to be the star, I think this was his chance where he thought, I'm going to use this as a springboard. Yeah. I won't win, but I'll have my face everywhere and that alone will be the win. And then I can pivot and bounce off of that. But it, it just made him look silly.
1: Well, Brian, you know, he went to Saltara before me. As I said, that's how mm. I got connected with the Saltara. And he did his Ayahuasca experience. Um and the plant showed him lots of things that he got to work on and this and that and basically he did none of them yeah you know so it was kind of a waste of time and I I just think um, I don't feel bad about it because I got the the publicity as well it was good for me got the word out there about a lot of stuff your friends who lost their money mate yeah I I feel bad for them Mm. and uh, I actually feel bad for Brian because he got a lot
2: of stuff he needs to work on you know yeah. really. That's the way I'm always left feeling with uh, Rose. I, um, I, I think there's a little bit of small a guy with a lot of, syndrome. There's a, well. a
1: lot of issues, and yeah. he still hasn't worked through it. So anyway, there's, I don't want to talk about Brian all yeah, day. That, yeah. uh, I think it's enough that we spoke about it and, and cleared it up. My association with Brian is uh, it's no longer there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you're this this new version of Dorian. Like I guess um, you say you're always evolving, and I, I was wondering like where your mind is at now with everything that's going on in the world and how, how you how you see things I
1: believe now we're in a war it's World War 3 but it's just not a physical war it's more like a spiritual war and um, it's like a dark and light thing and uh, I, I have faith in God light universe whatever you call it that that ultimately that will prevail. Um, so that's where I'm putting my energy and, and faith and uh, undoing my thing, um, you know, playing my part in this whole kind of game that's going on. What, what, do you, what is your part? Um, just, that just by being me and speaking the truth, uh, I think it has a domino effect on people. You see what's going on, and you're getting all this information coming in all the time, and it's mm. it's all kind of intense, negative. Right, it can be very negative. Yeah, so I'm aware of what's going on, but I try not to let me let it make me be scared. Oh, in the future, we're all going to be in camps if we don't have a V, and we're going to have digital passports for everything, and we're going to have no freedom, and we're going to have no right to protest, and all these things that. Is planned, but I, I think their plans are slowly going to fall apart. Well,
0: I, I feel like now we're getting to a point where people who, in the past, online, I'd see like, oh, these people who are who aren't isolating, and they'd be the ones like doing the basically. Uh, grassing people up for not isolating and i'm saying those people now turn on the government now going fuck it i'm not listening it's over it's done you know what i mean like they're gonna have to find a new reason other than save the nhs which we've underfunded for best part of god knows how many decades um but uh, you do wonder that people just want to be told what to do how many people
1: suffered during the lockdown when they were cancelling operations and not treating patients and all this
0: stuff cancer patients and uh,
1: old people they were giving end of life care to Mm. basically seeing them off with uh, benzodiazepines Mm. and uh, morphine and stuff like that it's come out now can't remember the name of the drug but it's like a super strong uh, benzo that they were giving uh, people in the care homes old people just Mm. basically killing them off
0: I think more and more people who originally are sceptical of the David Icke's out there and whoever else um, are now coming around at least saying, this is getting
1: weird, huh? Yeah, because we've all got um, a version of reality that we think the way the world is and it operates by the information that we've got, right? From life experiences, from school, from the media, from the TV. So we're given a picture and um, we think that's the way things are. And if somebody comes along and says, No, mate, it's not like that, that's all upside down, it's very hard to take in at first, mm. even if you're kind of an open person. When I started coming across some information, I was like, Wow, well, I don't know about that. But then, you know, you see more and more, and you just accept that uh, the world is different from the way that we thought it was.
0: When, when you started researching your, um, you know, or, discovering a lot of these things what was the one that shocked you the most can you remember the thing that was like that's the penny dropping that's the moment that Doreen is never going to be the same now he knows that I had a friend that
1: was uh Serbian so I'm watching CNN what's going on in the uh Balkans war
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's telling me like mate my family's there that's not like that so I used to believe everything that I saw on the news surely it must be yeah. like that now I, look, I don't even look to be honest but
2: if I do I can read between the lines and have a laugh about it we're, we're, I've we're been seeing, to Kosovo it's actually quite an interesting place to go to yeah and we're,
0: mm-hmm. we're seeing the news is almost exposing itself now because independent um, people are now growing in power like Joe Rogan for example <coughs> and um, people
1: are switching off yeah. switching off that's what's going to happen
0: say, and that's why CNN are attacking Joe Rogan I love and calling the speech him. that Ricky Gervais gave at this whatever awards oh him. yeah he's yeah,
1: brilliant because he's just in a dressed up as a as a joke who's telling the truth yeah and a lot of these things are going to come out with this uh child trafficking and pedophilia right now is the biggest trial with is in giselle giselle, giselle, giselle oh Maxwell? yeah
2: Gillane. gillain i think is uh, the, the but, bbc have had to learn to say it as well so yeah, yeah but we'll uh, it's hardly being covered right yeah, yeah stream, it's a bit uh, weird, isn't
1: it? Hardly being covered. It's almost and, uh, they, like the they're planet putting planet in the world. right. of right, express. Put the right judge in place yeah. and all this, so I don't know if the truth will come out of that. But that's
2: you know, Andrew all, must be sweating on it. though. All
1: the not uh, just Andrew's like you, like a lot of the elite politicians and so on was going out to that island. Yeah,
0: if you look at the book, you, you look mean, at the flight sweating. log. Yeah, the yeah. flight Bill log. Bill Clinton, Clinton really likes flying.
2: So does Donald Trump, by the looks uh, of but it.
0: The,
1: you know, these people they're different to us they're, they're deeply evil they're psychopathic so they can do things that we wouldn't wouldn't dream of doing for them they don't have a psychopath doesn't have empathy so they, they
0: and that's the it. thing is to push a button to to go to war to know that hundreds of thousands of people are going to lose their lives innocent people you know like, who aren't even signing up for yeah. it you have to be a certain kind of guy, you, you, and I think a lot a of woman. Reg, yeah, a lot of regular people. We think, oh yeah, well, that's what their job is. They're politicians, but th- th- you, we disconnect from them being their people. And you have to think, what kind of person can do that? What kind of person wants to have all that power? Would wants you have to, to be conditioned?
2: Maybe, maybe you go to a school where you're sort of taught those things, and you, I mean. You know, we've got, I think... The, you the have prob- to be,
0: like Hillary Clinton and people like that, you have to be able to completely
2: disconnect from human life and not care. And that's, to me, what these people are like. But that the, is partly what I find interesting, actually, because I do think the, the British, Britain's a much smaller island, so it's much more, uh, sometimes it's a bit more difficult to hide away from. The, it's quite an intense media we've got here, right? And I do think during COVID, quite, quite a few of those masks have slipped and people have seen elements of the government being actually quite shit at their job in the but first got, place. Have you
0: not seen they,
1: how many they, products They're pretending, to, they're pretending <clears throat> to be incompetent. So we just think, oh, they're just
2: stupid Muppets. But they're, no, they're not. Well, you see, that's they, why, they, I, that's have, why I actually find interesting. They have a reason. Is, they have a plan. You know? Yeah, that, that's actually kind of what I find interesting because I, I think a lot of you people are You know, bumbling, him, bumbling
1: right? Boris, who doesn't know what he's doing. and he knows what he's Prickish
0: doing. Prickish
1: Pretty. And, uh, yeah. the, the, the Rob. The I another
0: real shocker. got nicknames. Another real shocker was how many protests during the this um covid period were not even covered, were not covered. and i'm talking when you do see the video of them on a social media you're like wow <laughs> like these this is like tens of thousands not of people not tens of thousands hundreds, hundreds of yeah. thousands and and not not one media outlet is even mentioning it and that's when you go are you still going to believe what this lot are saying? Because yeah. news is news. It's not, well, we cover this or we don't cover that. News is news, Again, allegedly. A bad perception. Yeah.
1: If they showed hundreds of thousands of people have come together very peacefully to make a protest, people might think, you know what, they've got a point, I'll join them. If you don't know
2: about it... You can't. You know? Exactly. I've, I've actually... I've, I've not been to those protests um, just kept him busy, but uh, there, there were. It's true. But, uh, Get my nails done. I've been, caught, I've been caught. I've been sort of caught by them, or they passed by. And uh, I, I did a walk with, a, yeah. uh, with my daughter
1: Tani, and she's been with her friends as well. And uh, not when I was there, but when my daughter was there, she saw the police running into a peaceful cloud and just start beating people. Yeah, and then they say these extremist anti vaxxer protesters were violent no the protests before the whatever is it, black lives matter and antifa they were violent and you just sit back and let them them go ahead
0: it's clever how they reframe it and call like because you could be anti-lockdown and not anti-vax but they But the i'm not anti-anything but but anti-vax it it, it's that it's a dirty word isn't it where they make you look like a crazy person you separate
1: you i'm not anti-anything i'm just pro-truth yeah pro truth and pro freedom freedom of choice it, especially it, and i think man.
0: the fact that we're now getting to a point where all right they're not saying everyone is going to be pinned down and vaccinated but they're making life as difficult as possible for you to live without that vaccine is the same thing almost
1: yeah because they're very concerned about your health apparently because so, so yes. they're doing it, yeah? yeah yeah
0: they really were concerned when they went uh, to iraq and there was turns out there was no weapons of mass destruction but it was worth Losing so many thousands and then, and then of after, lives. Soon. After
1: this, George Bush was even making a joke about it. Yeah, he was doing a speech and he's like, "Hold on, where's the mass, weapons of mass destruction?
0: Are they here? Are they here underneath?" Wow. Making a
1: joke with his mates. Yeah.
0: You, we were in the, uh, We went to an award show where Tony Blair was there once, and I've never been in a room before with someone who looks quite as evil. And like you know, when they say like the life you live turns up on your face, almost like you 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 look quite stress free. Dorian, this man looked. Pure he looks like he belonged in Star Wars, didn't he? Do you know what I'm saying? It
2: wasn't ag- Yeah, take a look yeah. at him when
0: he's younger. But there's a, there's, there's a spiritual aspect to this. For sure. Which,
1: you know, we could go in a deep rabbit hole and, and might lose some people's interest if you oh, go all too right. deep. Fuck but, um, <laughs> entities there's powers that live outside our vision that these people that's why they do this satanic ritual so they can tune into this. Mm. And, and basically the way I see it is like if you get deep into this, you can have whatever you want in this physical world. Um, but you're paying a price and you can see it in the, in the eyes. Mm. The guy's lost his soul, basically, if, if you want to put it like that.
0: There's, there's a lot of celebrities who do this picture where they cover one eye as a saying that we're in the club sort of thing. Right. Yeah, know? You know? Yeah, a lot, a lot, we should just a lot do a lot that. Of them are
1: compromised. Because they've been put in compromising positions mm. like this guy Epstein and, and, and Maxwell. Mm. Provide this underage girls or whatever it is that goes worse than that, but and then they'll probably be filmed or photographed doing all this stuff. So,
0: well, now, you, now you've got to do cameras all. everywhere, what, what all, what is, all over Sorry, what's
1: worse than um, them? Uh, the sacrificial the right, killing okay, of sorry. the children, yeah, yeah, right, uh, okay. you know, the sacrificial uh, ceremonies and stuff. You just check out how many children go missing every year. I don't know in the UK, a couple hundred thousand children go missing every year. Wow. And
2: they don't turn up anywhere. I didn't know Where it was that number That's incredible. Yeah, going? right. I didn't know it was that high. That was amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know the exact figure. Right. But okay. it's, it's, it's funny. It's very high. Yeah. Right.
0: It's, it's ironic because obviously, like I say, I don't believe everything David Icke says, but years ago, he was banging on about this. And he was saying, like, they're going away to, uh, even Alex Jones, I remember him coming out with a, a phrase, pedo island. And, and, and people are like, oh yeah, as if they've got an island they all fly over to. And then, you know, years later, the Epstein case comes out and it's basically nailed on what, what that was.
1: I remember one of the books I read, early ones from David Icke, was like an eyewitness that was at some <coughs> ceremony with Edward Heath, who was prime minister at the time. Yeah. And they were, you know, they're sacrificing kids and stuff. And I thought, that's, that's far out, yeah. And then I saw an interview fairly recently with a policeman who's now a whistleblower he was um, used to work as you know outside Downing Street and he said at two o'clock three or four times a week two o'clock two a.m. in the the night a car would roll up and four or five six-year-old boys would come out and they'd have to take them in because you know there's processes right and they'd be there for a couple of hours and then shipped off again Mm. So they knew what was going on.
0: And he was a well-known um, Peter, wasn't he? Edward Heath. Has that come com proven now? Yeah, the, the
1: kind, well, this was, you know, he was there. He said he saw it and he yeah. said, what should we do? What, what, what yeah. can we do, you know? Um, if we go tell the higher-ups, maybe they're just going to move us on anyway. Yeah. So let's have a word with him. He said, we spoke to him. and said, sir, this, whatever's going on, like, we you know, we're seeing it and it's got to stop. So he said it stopped and about two weeks later they were, Sent somewhere else,
0: and that's supposedly how um, Jimmy Savile r- remained safe for as long as he did, is because he was, he
1: was a facilitator. Yeah, right. so all of
0: these um, kids' hospitals and all of that that he'd set up, the whole charity thing for him was a way of hiding, a, w- a way of putting up a, almost a protective shield. That I'm the charity guy, you know, and all Not of these. Everyone's c- like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, some people re- do charity. We're actually for raising money for charity yeah, right yeah, now, quite yeah. quite literally, genuinely. Yeah. Uh, but he, he he used this as a way of according to david like pr- procuring the kids for these higher ups and when you say jimmy savile the radio dj photograph with all these royals and all these political people like thatcher you're like why was this guy so in in with them and then you know it all comes out after he's dead now, now it's obvious right? yeah, yeah. Fucked and up. nothing
1: comes out until people have passed away
0: if they're protected
1: yeah yeah it might come out after the fact cyril Smith, the you know the A liberal guy A big fat politician That was in the liberal party It's Mm -hmm. all come out about him now But he's he's not here anymore Fucking hell
2: You're quite a prominent figure though Does it never um, Do you never feel an element of concern For your own Sort of safety within that What for speaking out
1: Yeah this isn't a threat But I'm
2: just sort of asking I don't think I'm
1: (laughs) Really big enough To be concerned about that I mean If you're gonna Be afraid To speak your mind What's, what's the point? You know, you, right. you're into that fear mode again. You should be able to freely speak uh, what you think. And everybody should be able to do that. And there's so much control. It's been getting more and more intense. Almost like controlling what people think. Or and trying And how they, and how they speak, right. speak. You know, you can't. It's not politically correct that's to the, say that's this. That's the trick they're using. Say that, that, yeah. You know, it's offensive. Fucking everyone's offended now. Hmm. But it's social engineering. It's engineering the way that we even think. It's through the media and the TV and the movies
0: and what have you, It's in uh, schools. I feel like men like yourself, and, and I class myself as a similar kind of guy, it, Like it's a dying breed, and it, 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 it's, un, it's very much like seen as a bad thing almost. And you've got this new word called toxic masculinity. Yeah, well, I was thinking of that myself. Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong, like... Anything can be toxic. Anything yeah. can. But that word alone, it's it's almost suggesting if you're too masculine, <coughs> that's a bad thing. Well, too anything is a bad I, thing. Exactly. But, yeah, but that, sure. so by its very nature, it's a stupid word um, because what you should just say is like masculine. Pe- someone's an asshole. You know what I mean? Right. Or whatever. But th- it it does feel like now, uh, you know, my experience on social media is if I if I speak out and say anything that is a bit too self assured. And 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 show signs of being an alpha male, it is a bad thing. Now people react in a bad way, and I'm fucking pissed off with it. If I'm Lock honest, them, like, man. It's annoying me Fuck them. Be
1: who you yeah. are. You know that's that's what I'm saying. There's pressure to to mould people and mould the way that they think and the way they behave, mm. and you just got to break that and, and, and be but who, it, you but you can, who you are can I man? just
2: interject on that uh, I think I kind, of, I kind of agree in my experience to be the same obviously uh, not necessarily embodying the classic alpha male ideas but um, what, I, what I do find interesting and I think a lot of people um, hear what you say and they say um, and you're saying be yourself and I, I think that's a really great message but what that we we i almost want to go a step further and say when you are yourself and when you are honest and when you are saying what you really think you'll actually get very honest feedback from the world as well you're not basically saying go out and fuck everyone else you can think whatever you want and that won't change you you're saying that if you are your i, I don't want to put words in your mouth i'm kind of putting the theory out there that if you are yourself then through those experiences you will learn um you'll also learn about yourself and the world will reflect back to you. So if you are wrong about something or you know you put an if you put an opinion out there, you'll get feedback on that. Yeah. And that and that that changes you as a person and you adapt. But it's why no. that feedback's coming is the question. Well, so. but, but I'm not saying that fee- feedback but won't always be negative. It's but- the same thing with
1: me with bodybuilding. I might have perceived and maybe I did for some period of time that people expect me to be this guy. Right. So I should be this guy to keep everybody happy no be yourself and what I learned is like actually more people follow me now because I'm just being genuine and in this world which is full of bullshit people find they pick up on that there's something different it's a guy being genuine and they relate to it people know when you're bullshit and they know when you're being genuine instinctively they know that and i think they find it refreshing if somebody's honest mm-hmm. and ultimately you can't think well how should i behave to keep everybody happy you never keep everybody happy anyway so be yourself uh, and that's no, don't, wall don't that's think going on. oh i can't say this i can't do that because i might upset somebody or it's not the trend at the moment that's how we're controlled you and know they- it's almost like uh, you don't need a sheepdog to keep all the sheep <laughs> because they'll do it themselves when you step out of line everybody starts Come on. no 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 no, sure. no no you know don't do this don't dress mm-hmm. like that don't do that and then you think Oh, to fit in i
0: better stay within the herd what do you what So, do can you, I, yeah. I just say one thing that i'm struggling with right now online is like is kind of what you're getting at there is there's people who are searching for reality the truth information knowledge yeah. and there are some people online the vast majority who want to listen to things that make them feel better about their life, feel better about them, and it not not necessarily care about being real, but just want to hear nice things. And those people, when they are hit with a character like myself or, or many other people out there, they they fucking flip out. They're like, oh, "This is this is," and, and they're offended, and they try and shout you down, and they try and organise things to yeah. take you down. And 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 there's a lot of that um, cancel culture out there right now. Cancel culture a lot of the time are people offended by someone speaking the truth. Um, uh, you know, and they, they can't, a lot of these pussies who, who haven't got the balls to stand up and be counted would rather have that person who has that strength not there anymore so they can go back to feeling Yeah,
1: better. making them feel uncomfortable. Uh,
0: and, 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 and I'm fucking, I'm really fed up with that shit. Um, mm. And I think that that unfortunately is like this I'm offended thing online right now. It's getting bigger and stronger and stronger. And, and people who I used to know who were part of the the stand up and be counted guys are now on that side and they're yeah, doing the concert. Been, they've been beaten, yeah. Into that or, or, side. or they want to be on the winning team and they um, want to be seen as the knight in shining armor. But they, even I almost feel more disappointed. A than lot them of people guys.
1: just want to fit in. Yeah, they, they don't want to be, you know, ostracized and feel they don't fit in and so on. Um, fortunately, that never concerned me about trying to please people or, mm. or fit in. I don't want to go out of my way to hurt anybody or anything like that but if what i'm saying is just my opinion and you're offended then tough shit really like like if i'm
0: watching a youtube video and i and i and i don't like what i'm saying turn it off i'll turn it off i won't leave bitchy little comments i get
1: i get people majority people on my social media is very positive but there's always somebody you know yeah and i just think you know why have you taken time out of your day (laughs) yeah to come on my page, if you don't like what I'm saying, or don't like me, or whatever, and taking your time out of your day to, to make a post about it. Because they're,
0: they're upset, Dorian. They're all upset.
1: Well, go somewhere else they're if you're They're pussy mentality. They'll
0: go somewhere else if you're upset. You I know, see. Right? Does, Do you, you can disagree with me, by all means. Yeah, of course. It, I might be
1: wrong as well. I might but, next week say, you know yeah. what, Brian? I, I thought this. Well, no. I found this, so I changed my mind now. Have you, you found just, that a lot in your uh, in your journey? Sometimes, yeah, you're, you're constantly evolving. So what you might have thought before, you might find some new information and, and modify your yeah. viewpoint. So yeah, can, everyone can be wrong, right? Nobody's right all the time. That would be impossible. Because I'd imagine they're also... It's not again, bad being right all the time. It's just expressing your, uh, your view and your opinion and how you feel right now. Everybody should be able to do that.
2: That is part of cancel culture, I think. I, um, <clears throat> it encourages less people to take a shot, at least, at being right. Or at least putting their opinion it out it there to test does, it. Absolutely does, and that's yeah, the point. Just in of case it. you put it on your page, and
1: everyone's you're an asshole, you're wrong. And like,
0: well, that's
2: part know? of it, and, and that's kind of what I do appreciate. I, you know, I mean, well, going I further back, the the men who so who weren't this.
0: I'm offended, like you know, culture. Those were the men that went to war. Those were the men that saved this country from, you know, losing our freedoms and stuff like that. Those were the stand-up and be counted kind of guys. And those are exactly the kind of guys who are barely around anymore.
1: If you can suppress the male and control the male, then you can control Mm. the rest of the society. Because they're the guys at the front, they're the warriors. You Mm -hmm. know, the women, the female and the male both have their roles to play but that's, the male role was always to provide and protect for, for the family so mm. if you move the male out of the, the equation and break up the family then you've got a lot of dysfunctional other males mm. growing up that are easier to control so it's, it's, you know, it's a planned effort it's not something that's just spontaneously happening through society uh, it's, uh, it's a planned assault so it will be easier to control like, like now
0: uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap this up now. You got uh you got family here so we'll uh, Very impressive, yeah. Last question is always the same uh how would you like to be remembered?
1: Um, <clears throat> Frank Sinatra song Did it my way. That's it. There you go. Did it my way. Did live my life the way I wanted to live it mm. and hopefully inspire other
0: people to do the same. Uh, that was Dorian Nates on the True Jody podcast uh, great to have another one of me uh, idols on here and uh, we'll put the links in the description below for DY Nutrition you've got your own supplement company yep. you're on tour you've been smashing that lately
1: yeah I've just done a two week tour of the whole uh, UK a lot yeah. of the uh, big gyms have been from Durham all the way down here back to the Midlands back down here mm-hmm. again so that's finished I'm spending some time with my daughter now chilling out and uh, on friday I go to glasgow doing a little training camp up there and then back out to spain for uh, for christmas
0: awesome uh, well, i'll put the links for dorian's socials below as well if you want to follow the man the legend dorian yates do so and uh, thanks for watching
1: thanks for having me on mate thanks a lot
0: thank you
2: appreciate it see you later.